everybody, and welcome to Volume 2, Issue 84 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. More than 10 years after the series Famicom debut, director Toro Hagihara fully integrated exploration and RPG elements into the traditional linear gothic action platforming of Konami's Akumajo Dracula, Devil's Castle Dracula, series. The result was one of the most celebrated 2D titles of all time, Castlevania, Symphony of the Night. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Carl Moon. Hello. Better than last time. And uh, we welcome special guest from Midnight Resistance, Andy, Johnny fucking Castlevania Hamilton. Hello. Now, that's the big build-up, but you did say it twice. No, that's that, that, absolutely true. Like, if when, when my inevitable breakdown comes, that is what I'm going to change my name to by default. Johnny fucking Castlevania would be the greatest name in the history of the planet. Although you may struggle to get them to put your middle name on credit cards and stuff, I don't know. But Johnny Castlevania in itself is pretty. J J Castlevania. Uh, I'll go for I'll go for Akuma Joe Dracula because that's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's, as that's well. not bad either, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, welcome. It's uh, it's high time we had you on this podcast. So yes. thanks for joining us. Cheers. Um, now, we want to really start with a general reminiscence. We can't go into crazy amounts of detail um, because there are over 25, I think, 2D Castlevanias going back to 1986. But I do want to talk a little bit about the history of the series, find out which ones we've played, our memories of the series, as well as Symphony of the Night. So specifically, Andy, uh, in the words of Psychomantis, so you like Castlevania. <laughs> when when did this love affair begin? Um, to be honest, it, it didn't start as one because um, the first Castlevania game I ever played was the original Castlevania. Now um, I never had uh, a NES for quite a long time, but a friend of mine uh, who lived just down the road did, and I must have been about five or six. But I always used to roll up to his house and not play on his NES because he would play on it. And um, I remember <laughs> like things like playing Zelda, and I would just be holding the pad. Protect, but I wasn't playing. He was clearly playing. But one of one of the games um, that he had was Castlevania, and it didn't go on often because we were both astonishingly poor at it. Um, it was brutally hard. In, but yeah, as as I like, find out in later life, it was brutally hard because um, it was the same with Ghouls and Ghosts. That occasionally got an outing, yeah. but it was just it was just too hard. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't really didn't really care for it at first for, for like quite the longest time, and then mm. I got. Um, uh, Super Castlevania 4 with my Super Nintendo. Of course. And um, that sort of changed things up a little bit. And uh, brilliantly, li- like a lot of SNES games as well, um, it it was just almost like the realisation of what they were trying to do back then. You know, yeah. And, um, you know, everyone remembers the little Mode 7 tunnel level and stuff like that. But um, that was the first time I really enjoyed a Castlevania game. Um, and, uh, yeah. yeah, it's... After that, it kind of, um, again, sort of dropped off because there wasn't a massive amount there. But I was an avid re- reader of CVG uh, yes. at the time, and they really championed uh, Symphony of the Night. They did. And, the high five. Yeah. In, in an amazing issue of CVG from late 97 that also had various other it astonishing did. time crises, GoldenEye and various others. I, funny you say that, actually, and actually having the knowledge of that, because it wrecked one of my um, things I was going to prepare for this podcast earlier today. 
I ha- I have an issue of CVG in mint condition. I'm actually holding it right now, and Beautiful. it's the one with Solid Snake on the front cover. It's silver issue, and this yeah. might be the greatest issue in the history of video games. But I was convinced this was the one with Castlevania in it, so oh, I, no. I got it out, yeah. and I was going to read out all the games that got f- high fives that issue, and. Not one of them is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Oh, so that was... There must be a scan of the correct issue. I, 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 I'm sadly, and, and I regret this to this day, I recently wrote an article about much-missed video game magazines and that era of CMVG. Oh, it's from, perfect. And the Paul Davies era yeah. was, was incredible. But uh, sadly, all mine ended up getting recycled. Oh, one no. one move, which is which is heartbreaking. But yes, that issue yeah. was, was was a particularly stonking one. Yeah, that, that, so that's where I found out about it, and I was like, oh, okay, this this does look right up my street now. Mm. Um, what happened is summer holidays came, went to see my mate who'd moved to Weymouth. We went into some electronic shop. It might have been a Beaties, I'm not sure, but it was one <laughs> of the ones that isn't around anymore. There was a yeah. big bin of PlayStation One games in there. And there was two copies of Symphony of the Night in there for a tenner each. Oh, man. And wow. I bought it with my holiday money, and I still have it to this day. Beautiful. And, Beautiful. Um, yeah, obviously, we went back to his house. And I was staying at his for, like, two weeks of the summer holiday. It was meant to be that, it's, you know, we're at the coast, we're at Weymouth, it's a getaway. Curtains were drawn, we stayed in his room, mm. and we played Symphony of the Night <laughs> solidly for two weeks. And, you know, I would probably say that in that time, most of my knowledge that I'm hopefully going to bring to this podcast came from that that first solid two-week session where we did everything, every single thing in the game. We did all the stuff from, Fantastic. you know, just simply finishing it to finishing it properly to then yep. starting to break the game and all the things that you like yeah. about Symphony of the Night. Um, and since then, I've kind because I got it quite soon after release, I've always had it. Um, so you know how it became a bit of a holy grail for people? Yep. I've never really had that with it because I've known, like, whether it be just putting it into a PS1, putting it into a PS2 or PS3, or just running an emulator on my computer and putting it on there. Mm. I've always been, like, able to play Symphony of the Night, and I've yep. been through it more times than I can count now. And then, obviously, since then, I've, I that's where my fandom really started. I've, I've bought every game since. I really like the Metroidvania ones, and I've, sin- I've also gone back and played pretty much everything in the series uh wow. rondo of blood uh, yes. the nes ones a couple of kid draculas um wow. the, aw- okay. the awful snes one <laughs> uh everything basically yeah i'd completely i was when i was compiling this list Ca- castlevania vampires kiss was one i'd completely forgotten about it's rubbish wow okay um yeah so uh carl what about you do you go back further than symphony of the night yeah, the first one I played was one of the early NES games. Um, it was sort of like it was a communal uh, bring-your-own-toys-into-school sort of day, and these kids <laughs> all brought their NES cartridges in, and, and uh, I, I, I don't think it was myself who brought the NES in, but we were all playing on, and I had to play on one of the early Castlevanias. I thought, this is pretty fun. Uh, but I remember at the time, I think, hey, it's no Shadow of the Beast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the graphics would have, would have been considerably uh, down-market from... Shadow of the Beast, it's true. And it, it was just sort of one of those crazy moments, and then I got a SNES years later, and, and like Andy, it was uh, sort of Super Castlevania 4, and I played that, and it was kind of fun, but it didn't sort of click with me, and at the time I was sort of like, I wanted to play Mario, and then later on it was like Donkey Kong Country and so forth, and then you sort of, I didn't sort of realise at the time the intricacies and the, dif- the sort of the differences between these games, even though they're obviously quite huge. Um, mm. And then 
again, a lot, a lot like Andy and I have mentioned it before, I was a huge fan of CVG and and uh, you know I, I've said that the High Five is always my favourite review score in in any magazine. I always thought that they sort of nailed it on, and, and they were so behind Symphony of the Night that I thought, well, I've got to play this because you know CVG know what they're talking about, and and uh, I sort of, I got a hold of a copy, um, quite literally a copy, uh, at the time, and. I thought it was a little bit fantastic. I sort of the thing that sort of, sort of captured me into the, into the game was was the music, and, yeah. and and the little touches, the little sort of artistic flair that you know it, it was never sort of the most polished because at the time we'd had other platformers on the PlayStation like uh, Pandemonium and stuff, which was all bright colours and and <laughs> and sort of these graphics and 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 sort of like we'd gone into three D platforming two and a half D yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, oh, no, Pandemonium and, and, and Castlevania yep. had like. It was it was sort of a step back in terms of its visual style, but it had so much more flair than anything else that it it was so much so detail as well. Beautiful to look at, mm. and I got about between forty and sixty percent by the Symphony of the Night percentage into it before my PlayStation packed in, and then my memory card packed in, and Ugh. I just sort of never went back to it. There were so many more games on on that system. I seem to remember having so many games to play and. I just sort of never got back around to it, and I always intended to buy it again. And I'd I'd played other ones, you know, after it, like the the DS, uh, some of the DS games, like Dawn of Sorrow, I played. And I always thought, well, it's there on Xbox Live and it's there on PSN, so I thought I'll buy the Xbox Live copy. And I, and that's that's when I eventually played through. It. Obviously, I turned off the shitty smoothing smudge factor <sighs> graphics, yep. which are yeah. an absolute we'll talk about, disgrace. We'll, and, and we'll talk about the different it. versions in a bit. Oh, got to. Because there are pros and cons to all the versions. Indeed, yes. Uh, we'll also talk about the reception to the game at the time because it's sort of interesting and how it's lasted. Um, now, Josh. Uh, we have to make the obligatory reference to your age. I'm sorry. Um, so you would have been very wee when this originally came out, and so you only played it this year, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, as I've said many times on the podcast, um, I I didn't really get into gaming until high school, and considering my age, that means I missed a lot of classics. And so I've kind of spent... Uh, my early 20s trying to go back and experience all of the uh, classic titles that I've missed and this year um, I decided right I'm going to play Super Metroid I'm going to get that done and um, I completed it and I loved it Uh, I thought it was great and I thought well I'm really itching for more Metroidvania so I thought well there's this other classic Metroidvania that I haven't completed (laughs) that I, I should probably complete as well and yeah I completed that year uh, uh that this year as well and i fell in love with both of them uh, they're both yeah fantastic. what a fantastic yeah. you're having a better year yeah you're having a better year than anyone right now yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely um for me my uh, i also got off to a bad start with castlevania because uh, as anyone who's followed me on podcasts or wherever will know i was a massive arcades kid being a brightonian and insanely in love with video gaming so the first mm. castlevania i played was haunted castle uh, otherwise known as castlevania we'll generally go with the westernized names because they all have different names in japan um haunted castle was a terrible arcade machine it was absolutely awful but I was completely beguiled by the graphics. 
Um, I really wanted it to be good, but uh, whichever Belmont you're in charge of, I, it was kind of ostensibly a remake of the first Castlevania, but it was very, uh, he was very heavy, slow to control, enormous sprites. It was completely um, kind of prescribed routines through each level. So it was more like, um, if anyone remembers Taito's Rastan Saga, it, it was a bit like that, only much less playable. <laughs> it was, uh, it was really awful. He was very slow to wield his whip. Um, it was, it was ludicrously difficult. And so as much as I loved the, the idea, the graphics, the setting, it was pretty terrible. So uh, over the next few years, obviously I wasn't a, a NES kid, um, I was I was an uh, Amiga, uh, and then later a Mega Drive person. So I missed out, and I didn't have a Game Boy at this point. So I missed out on all these Castlevania: The Adventure and Castlevania Three, um, and Castlevania. And then confusingly, there was another Castlevania Two on the Game Boy, and a Castlevania Two on the on the NES. But then, of course, I finally got round to getting a, a Super Nintendo in '93, I think, or '94. And I'd seen all the reviews for Super Castlevania 4. And of course, being a new a SNES owner, I wanted to see Mode 7 doing its thing. So of course, uh, I gave Castlevania another chance. And famously, Super Castlevania 4 gets off to a really kind of pedestrian start. The first couple of levels are really quite meh. Yeah. But a few levels in, you get the rotating tunnel, tunnel and the giant uh, swinging chandelier candelabra things and uh, and yeah I completed that game um, uh, it was manageably difficult as well unlike some of the other Castlevanias it was tough but it wasn't insane yeah. uh, and so I finished that I guess in about 94 so uh, but then again you know we missed out on, on more games there were uh, there was like you were saying Andy you've actually sampled some of the, the kid Dracula games which are the yeah. kind of cutesy like super deformed spin-offs mm. There was a, a Sharp 68000 version, which later came to PS1 uh, as Castlevania Chronicles. Uh, yeah. Rondo of Blood, which is widely uh, regarded as one of the best in the series, yeah. um, pre pre the Metroidvania. Yeah, it's the best term. of the classics. Best of the classic yeah. type, definitely. Uh, so that was Chino Rondo in Japan. Um, that came out on the PC engine, which uh, obviously wasn't a big, huge big deal over here, although Mean Machines and the like were obviously you know, purporting that we all go and buy one. Um, you can get that on Virtual Console on the Wii. Yes. So you can also play it on your Wii U, and it's uh, it's full speed, full screen, 60 hertz and all that. Uh, then there was Bloodlines on the Mega Drive. Now, I never played this. I heard mixed things about it. I think people were disappointed after the graphics of Super Castlevania 4, but some people tell me Bloodlines is actually a, a worthy game yeah. in the canon. Yes, yeah, a worthy it, it, I mean, it's... It's a worthy game to say, right, because it's got a few interesting things with selectable characters and stuff like that. Just keep it a little bit, keep the basic formula a little bit interesting. But yeah, it, it's its own unique game. It's it's, it's mm. standalone, pretty much. Um, and it's in a slightly more modern setting than other, right. other Castlevania. So if you're, if you're a big fan of the series and kind of like seeing how sort of certain enemy designs change over the mm. eras that they're set in, um, which is a bit fast and loose. It's it's a cool little curio in that regard. Yeah, this is what Konami did at this point, where they would make complete, very intelligently, they would make completely separate games on both SNES and Mega Drive to cater for the differences. So, like Sparkster were yeah. two, Sparkster were two different games. Tiny Toons were different games. Castlevania and Contra had different yeah. games. It's a really good idea, and it and it meant that for collectors, of course, you wanted both versions, so they everyone was a winner. Uh, then there was the Vampire's Kiss. Now, what was actually wrong with that game, Andy? Because um, I've never played it. Basically, it's it was an attempt at fitting Rondo of Blood onto the SNES. Oh, okay. And, and becoming quite clear quite quickly, it, it, it didn't fit. Level 1 is mm. spectacular, because it's, 
it's uh, being chased by the behemoth, the big horned minotaur style thing, uh, through street and it's on everything's on fire it look, it's really cool like a fact on the stairs everything's sort of flickering and mm. but th- it then just becomes a pretty standard castlevania game it's it, it it is basically just a cut down version of rondo of blood so it has similar levels okay. animations missing enemies missing um the last boss is atrocious because uh, it's like <laughs> a cut down dracula fight it's really really difficult um it still has a, cu- a couple of the cool secret things you can do in Rondo of Blood, like if you keep an item for a certain amount of levels, you can go on a different route. It, I'd probably say, being shit is probably a little bit harsh. It's it's not as... Poor, poor it, man's it's, version yeah, of Rondo it, it, of Blood. It's, it's not as good as Super Castlevania 4, and then right. when you stack it up against what it was supposed to be Rondo of Blood, it's, it's barely the same game. And that only arrived a relatively short time before Symphony of the Night as well, yes, so yeah. I guess Symphony of the Night knocked it into a cocked hat. Uh, we'll come back to Symphony of the Night, but um, just to kind of get up to where we are with the Castlevania 2D series, so um, there was one more game, original Game Boy game, Castlevania Legends, after the Symphony of the Night came out. There was never a 2D Game Boy Color Castlevania, curiously. Um I don't know if Circle of the Moon or Harmony of Dissonance were originally planned to be Game Boy Color games and got moved over to when the Advance came out. I'm not sure, but uh, uh, Circle of the Moon is known just as Castlevania in Europe, uh, confusingly, but it is Circle of the Moon. I think it even says it in the game itself. Uh, so the GBA trilogy is well worth investigating, particularly the the final game, Aria of Sorrow, which I know a lot of people rate as almost being up there with Symphony of the Night. Um. It is it all three of them I really like, but um, and we'll get onto this probably a little bit more when we get on Symphony Night. They they were all the Symphony Night formula, the um, staff, yes. you know, the Metroidvania daft formula. The so you know, the big map, that, yeah. the items, the RPG things, but all three of those and the uh, free, the DS ones, which we'll get onto in a second, um, mm-hmm. they all had like an extra gimmick that was unique yeah. to that game on top of it, and mm. all the gimmicks were kind of cool. But some of them were less cool than others, and okay. I personally found that like the sort of more stripped back approach of even though Symphony Night is quite a complex game when it comes to all the items and stuff, as of itself, I found that like because I played Symphony Night beforehand, I was kind of missing the basic rules of that. It it was like those rules with this new thing on top of it, or and the next game was the Symphony Night rules with this system on top of it, um, yeah. and I guess like depending on how much I liked them was all down to my pre- my preference for that specific system because I knew I liked this, I knew I liked the game, I knew I liked the style of you know going through the castle, getting the percentage up, eventually fighting the last boss, but knowing there was loads to go back for. That's my thing, but. Um, like the card system in Circle of the Moon was quite cool, but um, so I, I can't really remember the systems from Mario Sorrow, but I remember. Uh, so you were sort of Pokemon collecting yeah, souls. Yeah, really? yeah, that was it, because yeah. that was what transferred over to the 3DS version. Uh, sorry, the DS mm. version. Yeah, mm. I, I wasn't quite keen on that. Okay. So mm. the game itself's great, the setting is brilliant, but it yeah. was just like those extra systems. Mm. Yeah. There's a uh, I have a double pack cartridge uh, Konami released of Harmony and Harmony of Distance and Aria of Sorrow, it's which is well nice. worth tracking yeah. down if you can get it. Uh, I expect it's probably worth a bit of money now. I don't know though. Um, famously, they would appear in shops for a little while, GBA games of of a certain quality, and then you know sell out, and that would be it. They'd mm. be gone, and and then you'd be you know be paying through the nose on eBay for them. Probably less so with the DS trilogy. Um, which started with Dawn of Sorrow, which was almost a launch title for DS, and that was 
that was the first one that I thoroughly played and completed since Symphony of the Night. I really liked Dawn of Sorrow. The art style upset a lot of people, though. It did, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, as of itself, it's it's all right, but when you compare it to you know what we had before, yeah, that's. It, it's moving the, away from that oil amazing painting, pixel art. amazing, yeah. yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, and even like the the box art and stuff. You know, Castlevania's always had like phenomenal art behind it, mm. but and it just became like some quite generic anime, didn't it? <laughs> it's, that is true. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, it, it didn't and, uh, look like that in game. Like in game, no, no, it still looked no. like a Castlevania game, but it was just yeah. like the cutscenes and the box art was just a bit a bit boring. <laughs> Yeah, I guess they were yeah, sort of heading in that maybe mainstreamy direction. But um, Portrait of Ruin was even more divisive critically, as I recall, or ga- Gallery of Labyrinth, as I believe it's known in uh, in Japan. Um, I, it's one I've never played. Uh, it's, is it a modern set one with switchable characters and things like that, as I recall? Yeah, it's it's very similar to um, Dawn of Sorrow, um, and it's got it says it's like a modern setting, like Dawn of Sorrow was a little bit more. Set you know set further up the timeline, but there was maybe like two rooms in the entire game, which actually indicated that it was in a somewhat realistic setting. Um, now I'm going to guess this next one. Uh, not even Johnny Fucking Castlevania has played. Maybe I'm wrong. Order of Shadows for mobile phone, possibly Japan only. Um, no, I haven't played that one. <laughs> no, I didn't think so. <laughs> um, now the last one that I think we could probably say is the most recent proper new Castlevania or Metroidvania style Castlevania was Order of Ecclesia on the DS, um, which I've not played. 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 Oh, you've played that as well. Okay. Um, And what do you guys rate? rate, I I rate it quite highly, actually. Um, I haven't completed it. I'm still working my way through it. It's tough. I gather it's a tough one. Yeah, it's quite hard. It's not not a Metroidvania game, though, like the other DS games. It's more of a just here's a straight path and traditional castlevania then but it does have a lot of the rpg stuff that carries over from symphony over the night so it's kind of like this nice hybrid of old style castlevania and symphony of the night style castlevania and and Mm -hmm. it's really good you do see it knocking around uh but it's i don't think it's super common but i don't think it's super rare either andy what did you make of this one um it's been that's that's one which has completely slipped my mind it's been a long time isn't it um you've got like a hub system which is a bit more like the traditional castle, and then you go into yeah. levels. Yeah, 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 it's been, yeah. It's, yeah. It's been a while since I played that one, but um, okay. I, I, again, all the free, all the DS ones, I remember enjoying. I just, again, much like the GBA ones, there was just something about Symphony of the Night which edged them, and I can't, I, I can't quite put my finger on what it is. So uh, there's a slightly quirky one next, which is uh, by the excellent M2 developer uh, for Konami. Um, M2, who we know from the uh, the excellent um, Sega Vintage Collection remakes, um, and they did uh, they did a remake of the Game Boy game, The Adventure, uh, for WiiWare. It costs a uh, thousand Nintendo points or whatever. It's seven quid. Um, I've played a, a chunk of it, and it's a it's a it's a really nice sort of SNES esque throwback to Castlevania. Anyone else had a go of it? No, I haven't. I thought it was a remake of um, the PS One Castlevania adventure game, the one which is a remake of Castlevania One. I thought it was that, so and I and I have that on the PS One, so I never bothered with it. <laughs> ah, no, yeah, so, it's a remake of the Game Boy One, yeah, yeah. Um, from nineteen eighty nine or nineteen ninety. Oh, that, yeah. That's me going to do some homework. Well, worth checking out, definitely. Um, which brings us up to the one, I, one that I've only I only played the briefest time of, which is the weird co op 
uh, yeah. XBLA PSA Harmony of Despair. Which some people got into I, this, but some people... I, I didn't like it at all. Like, um, no. I played this before Symphony of the Night, uh, strangely enough, and um, which actually left a really like sour taste in my mouth uh, for exploring like mm. the rest of the Castlevania series. It kind of put me off going back to Symphony of the Night. Had some pretty interesting ideas, it, yeah, yeah, but they just they weren't executed really well. Like the co-op was okay, but like it didn't really feel like a co-op game. It didn't feel like you were cooperating with the other person. It just felt like some other guy was you know tottering about in your game um and yeah the bosses weren't very well they they just kind of reused bosses from older games but not as well and the the environments weren't as well thought out it's just kind of an average game overall there was a ton of well ton there was some dlc for it and all sorts wasn't there how many despairs a strange one as well because it was obviously it was released to the the marketplaces on on the two major consoles um yeah where you, you can actually buy the classic Symphony of the Night, which obviously everyone talks about anyway, for mm. uh, 50% less than the price they're charging for this one that was getting absolutely torn apart in reviews. Um, so Yeah, Symphony mm. of the Night is ten times the game this egg, is. At least. Yeah, and, yeah, and it, I mean, it was a really hard sale to try and push this uh, as, a, you know, what was a 1,200-point or I think it was a $12 game or whatever, when you can go and buy Symphony of the Night yeah. for what is essentially mm. pennies. Um, it was a strange one. Was um, I think when it came out as well, it... Um, and this might be slightly off mark, but uh, part of the first part of the point, anyway, is I, I've seen to recall it was it was launched just after they'd announced the Mercury Steam one. Yeah, which right. which I, I love. I think that's you know I'm a Castlevania purist. And I think you, you, you can come. We're, 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 I should say at this point we will we will do a show for Lords of Shadow. You can come back yes! on and we'll talk and we'll talk all about the 3D lineage, including yeah. the N64 ones and oh, the PS2 good, ones. Oh, good, good. Like yeah. Speciality. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, sort of moving back to the point is uh, I remember that like they were trying to push this by going ah, but this is the one that Eagers made. This is the yes. game by the, the the Castlevania guy, not not those Igarashi, Americans. Yeah. You know, like this is by, yep. you know, this is the the real guy, and it came out and it wasn't that good. Yeah, the thing is, yeah, it's happened I, sometimes. Igarashi had, had worked on them all since, in some form, pretty much since Rondo yeah. of Blood, where he, he got a special thanks in Rondo of Blood, and they brought him in um, for Symphony of the Night, where he was actually the assistant director. Uh, it's the only one mm-hmm. where he's actually. Uh, credited as an assistant director. After that, he's always a producer. Um, yes, you yeah, know, yeah. Some, or scenario writer. Whereas in Symphony of the Night, he was assistant director and programmer and scenario director. So uh, it, it was a bit loose. But you're right; they did actually bang on. Oh, it's co-op and it's done by Eager. And it's it's like, well, you know, look at his history. He's also worked on pretty much all the others. So it's you know the, the, that wasn't really yeah. a selling point. I can, I'm concerned that. A lot of people, because it was like promoted as part of Summer of Arcade and stuff, as I recall, a lot of people will have had their first experience of Castlevania with Harmony of Despair, and they'll think that that's what they're like. Well, that was the case yeah. with me, and, uh, and yeah. for a brief while there, it did kind of put me off playing the rest of the mm. series. But thankfully, like I, I yeah. did play Symphony of the Night, and now I I know what people are talking about. Um, Even but, worse, yeah. that was that was a really strong summer of arcade as well, and people were looking at mm. that saying, "Well, that was Castle, the weakest game, wasn't Castlevania it?" Castlevania can't yeah. even live up to these other games that have just been released this summer. What's Castlevania all about? Yeah, yeah, it was just. I believe I believe that, like we should say that I do remember uh, some people kind of buying into the structure of that game, and it's got this really interesting thing where it zooms out to a ridiculous level, 
Um, so you can see a crazy amount. And there's all kinds of interesting things going on where two of you might be fighting at one corner of the map miles away from two other people and your attacks can actually have an effect on what's going on all the way all the way across the other map. I think it's it might be one of those games where if you get the right group of people who are willing to commit to it, there might be an interesting experience to be had there. But I don't think it's the Castlevania experience, probably. Um, and then I didn't even know whether to include this one because I don't personally consider it part of the classic 2D Castlevania lineage but it should be mentioned which is this year's Lords of Shadow Mirror of Fate mm. for 3DS it's a great game is it? Yeah, okay. great game uh, I, I reviewed it for another website uh, gave it a good 9 out of 10 and at the time of playing it uh, I said it was without question my favourite game on my at, at the time almost useless 3DS Um I just wasn't playing the thing, got this, mm. and it kind of kick-started me going and buying a bunch of 3DS games, and obviously some other amazing things have come out since then, but... They certainly what, have, yeah. It's a really, really good game, uses the 3D nicely, and it's a great mix of the classic Castlevania styles, mm. so it, it is kind of level-based, but, but each level is also its own Symphony of the Night-style map. But the combat is all like a really simplified version of uh, what you get in the 3D games. Um, yeah. And I, I use simplified in the most positive possible way because it's things like the combos are quite easy to not only do but look spectacular and get away with. And the dodging, it's on a 2D plane, but it's its also got a really generous invincibility window, which mm -hmm. means that if you're kind of on it, you can play most of the game without getting hit. Um, there are a few challenging sections, but if you get good at it, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a fairly easy game to play for. It. You know, it's a good Castlevania game. Um, it really, it, it's got a great story as well, really dark, fills the gap between the two Lords of Shadows games. Um, and um, it's, it's just a really good Nintendo handheld game as well. Yeah, that's interesting because as a, you know, a kind of somebody who um, I'm still, I, I suppose you could use the word prejudice, but I'm still a bit leery when it comes to great Japanese franchises being kind of given over to Western teams. Um, but if 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 as big a fan, obviously you've played way more of the Castlevanias than I have, if as big a fan of the series as you rates it, then uh, I should definitely check it out. Is Am I right in thinking that's part of this current Nintendo promotion? It is, well? yeah, yeah. So if you've got mm. any of the others and you're sleeping on Castlevania, it's definitely one which you should consider. Okay, sold. So which brings us back to 1997. Uh, it was March in Japan and October and November in US and Europe, respectively. Akumajo. Dracula X, Gekka no Yaso Kyoku, or Devil's Castle Dracula X, Nocturne in the Moonlight, which is another fantastic name. Um, so as I say, Toru Hagehara was the director-producer on this one. Rondo of Blood was a previous work of his. Uh, he also worked on Vandal Hearts, which was another of the greatest PlayStation games. Uh, he's also done work on the Dance Dance Revolution and Pez series. Make of that what you will. Uh, features the art of uh, Ayami Kojima. I think this was her first involvement in I so, yeah. Castlevania and video games in general possibly uh, so Iga Igarashi and uh, Toshiharu Furukawa wrote it and then of course there's uh, Michiru Yamane uh, the composer who's worked on some of the Gradius slash Nemesis games Contra Hardcore, Rocket Knight Adventures Sparkster, Suikoden 3 and 4 and more recently Elibits LEDs uh, same game that is and Skullgirls and uh, 
yeah, the music, I think, is one of the first things that drags you into the game. Because even from the opening FMV, which is missing from the XBLA version, we'll come back to that, uh, the music is just stunning, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the only game soundtrack I own on CD. Okay, I, I was going to say, because you... Wow. Um, so, because presumably you've also got the art book and uh, retrospective Castlevania music CD that came with your original PAL copy. Yeah, I have got that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's also a really, I don't know if anyone knows about the, the secret Castlevania remix that's on that. Yes. As well. If you put, put it, it in your CD player. Yeah, you yeah. put it in and then, but first there's a message from the guy who voices Rick de Belmont. And he says, this is a PlayStation black disc. Playing this CD on track one could damage your CD player, <laughs> but you're not going to listen to me anyway. And then a bunch of Castlevania music starts playing. That's right. I remember it well. Yeah. And a lot, yeah, there were a few other games that had that sort of thing. And of course, putting your PlayStation Black CD in a CD player didn't do it any damage, as no. far as I can remember. But um, uh, it might have made a nasty noise. I can't remember. It was great having, happened. like, when you had those features in games. And they were all, like, hidden things. And I remember at school, it was the kind of thing that would get passed along the playground. And I always remember it being mm. a game called Luna. Which also had a thing where you put it in the CD player. The and Silver said, Star. Yeah, and, mm. and that also had sort of the, the hidden message telling you pretty much the same thing. And it was always something, I remember, even back to like the, the Dreamcast days where you'd put it in, you get wallpapers and stuff like that. It's yeah, just yeah. something that's obviously mm. since sort of long gone. Yeah, yeah, Knights and uh, Radiant Silver Gun had extra assets on the disc, didn't they? Marvellous days. Anyway, um, so the game came out. Uh, as we mentioned, CMVG gave it a... a, a a resounding high five and said, you know, this game is amazing, it's beautiful, it's full of detail, um, the soundtrack's astonishing and, and so on. Um, but not every magazine was so kind. Now, I, d I don't want to, you know, misquote anyone. I haven't got sort of quotes in front of me. Uh, Andy Kurosaki, one of our correspondents, mentions he remembers Games Master being quite down, Games Master magazine, saying basically, this is a SNES game. Yes. We've all got We've all got PlayStations now. What the fuck, you know? We want 3D polygon graphics, not this old 2D shit. Um, I think time has proved that uh, CMVG were quite kind of more on the money than um, than than Games Master. And I'm going to say there were probably a few other of the less uh, kind of sophisticated hardcore magazines who probably said similar things as well, giving the game kind of 6, 7 out of 10. Yeah, it's all right, but hey, you could have played this on your SNES and whatever. I think it's one of those embarrassing things where if they sort of go back and review it now, they'd obviously review it far more kindly. Um, yeah. it, was, it was at that awkward sort of period of time, wasn't yeah. it, with the, with the transition. Like we said, Pandemonium was even 2.5D, and, and we had, like, I remember, I think it was 97, had the, the massive promotion of, uh, like, I think it was Croc came out in 97, 96, 97, and that was like the oh, big 3D graphics uh, on, <laughs> on PlayStation Fucking crap. Yeah, I know. That game sold so many copies yeah. and it was so mediocre. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do remember a lot of places uh, giving it the whole, it's a SNES game, it's 2D. Um, and uh, I do remember them all being quite positive about the actual game, but then just knocking it down because of how it looked. I do, I do, I do remember a lot of them being like that. You could have played this on your SNES. Oh, we did enjoy it. Yeah, and if if the SNES cartridge was eighteen thousand times the size of anything, well, that's not that's not quite. But it, the amount of uh, you know assets, individuals, there are so many unique sprites and backdrops and, of course, and stuff. The soundtrack in, in would have been impossible without the series. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, that kind of stance is just frankly insane, considering the fact that Symphony of the Night has actually aged better than most of the games on the PlayStation 1 anyway. I mean, yeah. trying... Probably all of yeah, them, I would yeah. suggest. I mean, I, I like going back to Metal Gear Solid 1, and I think it has aged 
fairly well, but there are yeah. things about it that are, you know aren't really great by today's standards. Symphony Quite. of the Night feels just as good now as it did back then. I imagine. Yeah. I, I can only imagine. Absolutely. But like, Absolutely. it feels just as good as any game I've played recently. Mm. It, it's totally. quite a frightening thing because I was actually thinking about this the other day and I was listening through all my classic PlayStation 1 memories and you, you've you got the, the games, you've got Final Fantasy 7 you think, well, you know, it's probably been better than Josh will say, it's been better by Persona and you know what, he's probably right. And you've got Metal Gear Solid, which has obviously been bettered uh, by further Metal Gear Solid games um, in terms of, of how they play. And then you've got Castlevania, you think, well, this is still the one I'd recommend. Not just mm. in Castlevania, but in this whole genre, that is the first game I would recommend. So Yeah, there's no it, there's no caveats you have to make when you recommend it to someone. It's, like, it's you know, just you, incredible, isn't it? That, yeah. it? that it holds up absolutely. So I, I would say it probably holds up the best of any uh, of that era, really. There, I, I, I tend to agree, but I think there are a few things that we've, based on uh, you know some of our correspondence and some of Josh's experience, that perhaps there are a few things that might be done differently now, but, oh, um, but we'll come to that. Accessibility-wise, certainly. And, and yeah, instruction definitely. manuals certainly help. That you don't really yes, indeed. The, the the digital manual in inverted commas you get with the PSN version is is laughable. It's like three pages, and it, it gives you a, a bare idea. But it's like um, two pages more than manuals you get in games now. That is true, um, but no epilepsy warning. I know you get that on the title screen. Anyway, um, I actually forgot to say when I got my copy of Symphony of Night, it had actually been out a little while. Um, I picked it up. It was already a pre-owned copy for some reason, um, but it had the art book and the CD in it. Nice. Uh, I paid about. Paid about thirty quid for it, uh, which was fair enough because I think it was forty four ninety nine, you know, brand new. Um, it was one of those that I kept on the shelf for a little while, and then uh, you know, it was kind of one of those that I was really looking forward to settling down with and playing. And then a few months later, I did, and you know, absolutely uh, hammered it hard for however long a fortnight until I got to the uh, and this is the point where we should issue a spoiler warning because you can sort of spoil you can certainly spoil the surprise of certain elements Absolutely, of this game yeah. we're not going into the ridiculously convoluted um, Castlevania mythos because it's insane it's it's sort of almost Zelda-esque in its kind of uh, intricacies yes, isn't it the a, whole... there's a bloody good reason that the Lords of Shadows team just went we're just start again like yeah. <laughs> let's just yeah. step away from that yeah, there's basically there's over, including the 3D games, there's over, well over 30 Castlevania games uh, over a 25 year period now. 20 no longer than that, 27 year period. Um, they're all set in different times. They involve different members of the same family, different versions of Dracula, different relations of each other, and 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 yeah, it's it's insane. Um, so we won't be going into that. But uh, yeah, so I eventually played it um, having. Yeah, played Super Castlevania for a few years before. Absolutely loved it. Uh, eventually, I eBayed my copy, and you can still buy. Uh, I think it was for about seventy, eighty quid. I got for it, um, with safe in the knowledge that it was coming to Xbox Live Arcade, PSN, uh, and PSP. And we'll talk about those versions again in a bit. Um, but I, yeah, I don't actually know. I don't know if the uh, the release of all these other versions has dented the eBay price. I would imagine that the CD and the art book still mean that the 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 PAL version commands a certain amount of money. But I don't know. I it's still it a crazy price. It's one of those things where collectors always want the hard copy. You know, a digital yeah. copy means absolutely nothing to them. So the, the prices, you know, the availability of that game is, is no greater than it actually was. So it, it's yeah. still every mm. bit as expensive. Yeah, it's one of those ones as well that's slowly but surely spiralling into the hands of people who are going to keep it as well. 
That's so right. it's, it's yeah. re- it really is drying up. I remember seeing what some chants are on Amazon about a year ago trying to get 200 quid for one. Yeah, that's the most yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, that's crazy. When you, when you can play it for, uh, you know, well, they, it was recently on Xbox Live Arcade for uh, under th- under three pounds, yeah, wasn't, like it? Pennies, so. wasn't it? So yeah, it was like yeah. three hundred twenty points in a sale last last month. Um, yeah, and I, I remember I, I sort of put a message out and let, let everyone know that they should be buying yeah. it at that price. But it, it's it's a shame when you actually get people trying to profit from from classic games or or any game really. I mean, I remember was it Tales of uh, Vesperia this year? Uh, this mm. this generation on the Xbox. Uh, became so rare that I saw copies going for three hundred and fifty pound, and then all twenty then, quid on on demand. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> extra copies of that disc were found, and it, it just dropped to like seventeen ninety nine new. So it sort of killed uh, these profiteering yeah. bastards uh, dead. Yeah, that's antiques. The anti- antiques trade for you, I suppose. Um, those in, those initial impressions, which start with at least on on uh, some of the versions the uh, there's an fmv which kind of drags you into the world and there's this uh, sumptuous piece of music um and then of course it opens into uh, a bit of another game yes. uh, the end of rondo of blood mm. but it's it's mistitled confusingly yeah. it's just bloodlines <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well we should probably say now that when it comes to things like subtitles and dialogues in Symphony of the Night. It, mm. it, although some would argue that it is one of its strongest suites. <laughs> um, yeah. It's not its strongest <laughs> suite, is it really? You know, it, um, there's, the, the translation's not good and the voice acting, uh, it, it's, it's truly breathtaking and make of that what you will. <laughs> it is breathtaking. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll, we'll talk about what they did to it for the PSP version. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in a bit, but, um, there is this famous opening monologue, which I presume wasn't in Rondo of Blood. Uh, although, so basically, you're redoing the boss battle from the end of Rondo of Blood at, uh, as a prologue to the start of the game. You're playing as Richter. Uh, there's some uh, bombastic guitar music playing, uh, and and you fight the Dracula boss from the end of the previous game, which, of course, at this point had only been available to uh, PC engine owners which wasn't a huge amount of people, certainly not in the West. Um, so we weren't necessarily that familiar with that bit. But but the, the prologue is titled Bloodlines rather than Rondo of Blood, <laughs> making people think that it was from the end of the Mega Drive version, which it wasn't. Um, but it's a great, it's an amazing way to open the game. And there's even, it's not even as simple as it just being a bit of a game. I, I didn't even know this until recently, but how you perform in this opening section actually dictates yep. the build yeah. of your character. Yep. And if you, um, I mean, you can't die in that section because if you do, Maria shows up and uh, resurrects resurrects you. you. But that has a massive effect on your stats if you do. Um, I think that is a little bit broken because if memory serves me correctly, if you do really well and don't die, you basically get the best stat start. That's right. Yeah. yeah, So (laughs) it's more of a reward. It's more of a reward. (laughs) Typical sort of games design of that period in a way. yeah, very. Um, but it's yeah, it's really interesting. You're kind of doing your dice roll for the character by playing the end boss from a previous game. Mm. Um, you can, yeah, you can do it. You can pick up various weapons. There's even a whole secret area yep. in which you can pick up stuff that you can't use, which is mental. Yeah. No, but if you go there later, there's I think there's something missing. If you um, go back as Alucard. Oh really? Okay. Uh, like that, yeah. yeah. So you fight Dracula in his first form. 
you have a sub weapon um, now. Famously, uh, and and this has confused me since I first played Haunted Castle at the arcade. When you uh, when you hit items in the background in Castlevania, they drop hearts. And of course, in every other game, collecting hearts gives you health. <laughs> Not in Castlevania, it gives you extra uses of your sub weapon. Uh, yes. Still confusing to this day because you think, oh, I'm low on health. I'll, I'll hack a candelabra, and then even though I've done that literally millions of times, I still want it to give me a bit of health, and it still doesn't. And they never give you bits of health. Like, finding no. a bit of health is rare. A little pot roast, or, yeah, you can get little shiitake mus- mushrooms and pot roast, but you have to go into the menu, equip them, and then throw them out in front of you to use them. Um, stuff like that. But um, it's all marvellous stuff, but, yeah, I just think that opening is so great. And, and when you finally whittled Dracula down... Uh, to his halfway form after that incredible uh, dialogue between the two of them. Uh, you, he then turns into a giant monstrous version, uh, which is actually, yeah, it, it, it is possible to do it without taking any damage. I yeah. think there's an achievement for that on the there HBLA is, yeah, version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's a cracking opening. And then uh, that turn that turns into a as you kill kill the final boss, it spins off into a kind of Polaroid of the moment, which is bizarre when you think about it. Uh, that goes into flames, and then you get this fantastic scroll set to this in- even more sumptuous piece of music. And then, if you're playing the PAL version of the game, a giant egg is in the background of the castle because the graphics are so squashed and bordered that the moon instead of being a beautiful circle, is a kind of ovoid <laughs> nonsense, which is a shame. Um, but then you get thrown in, as you tend to do in Castlevania games, uh, at lightning speed as Alucard into the new castle. And really, you're not given a, a Scooby-Doo what to do. Um, Josh, I'm interested to hear from you on this, because uh, obviously you have played some, quotes, Metroidvania games. You'd very recently played Super Metroid, which is also famously kind of oblique in its direction of the player and stuff, but... When you first started playing Castlevania Symphony of the Night, did you know what you were doing in a way? Did you were you confident to find your way around to and all that? It wasn't so much uh, navigation and stuff like that that was difficult. It was much more just how I should approach like combat and the basic gameplay and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, saving, you know, going into a save area is much the same as Super Metroid. And I played Metroidvania games like this before, so I kind of knew what I was doing in terms of uh, navigation. But um, one thing uh, that was a negative early on for me um having played super metroid first was what super metroid does really well is that whenever you go into an area you have everything you need to overcome the obstacles like there there are um extra health packs and stuff that you can find but they aren't necessary because everything you'll need is on on your critical path so if you bump into a boss you will be able to defeat it Um, With Symphony Mm. of the Night, because of the RPG nature of the game, that's not necessarily true. Um, You can just bump into the first boss and have no idea what you're meant to be doing, not properly equip the equipment you need for that... uh, you know, that encounter, and just die instantly. And that, like, early on, 
that was the reason why I struggled with Symphony of the Night. I think people remembered me on Twitter going, um, mm, I don't know if this game has aged as well as Super Metroid. And I, I would have liked... A more modern game would have been more clear about that kind of stuff. I, you know, a more modern game would say, make sure you've equipped this and stuff like that. Mm. Make sure you've leveled up to a certain you know, degree. It doesn't even tell you to equip things. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it certainly doesn't tell you that when you collect your familiars... Yeah. They don't even. I, they're I, not even I, on by default. I didn't even like for most of the game. I didn't even use the familiars because I had no idea what they were meant to do. Like, yeah. it's, it's stuff like that where it like me- doesn't tell you how to save. Like, mechanically, it's so well designed. It just doesn't tell you, <laughs> which is yeah. which is just uh, you know a, a factor of how old that game is. That's the thing. Yesterday, I I, I spent most of. Uh, I haven't played it all the way through again, sadly. But now I've got to the point that I am probably going to over time play it through on the Vita again. I'm about 20% in at this point. And it is still the feeling of just controlling Alucard is such a yeah. pleasure. Mm. Just every jump, every every uh, every slash, every animation. It, he looks glorious. He's got so many frames of animation. Yeah. Um, but it's just that, that thing of just jumping up, hacking, hacking the candles for the hearts, and then coming down and hitting, slashing enemies and stuff. It just feels it never gets old for some reason. It feels be- it feels better than a more modern example. I played um, Outland as well. I finished it this year mm. as well. Um, in fact, Symphony of the Night was the thing that inspired me to finish Outland. Um, yeah, it doesn't control as well. Like the jumping no. doesn't feel as good. The sword play no. doesn't feel as good. There's just you know it's that thing that we always talk about in gaming that feel that's kind of really hard to define, but you know what it is yeah, when totally. you play it. Mm. it. It just feels really good. You're telling me that you walk everywhere in Symphony of the Night. <laughs> you don't you don't slide everywhere like everyone else on Earth. Yeah. Um. So uh, particularly speedrunners. Um. By default. Now, you pick up many moves along the way with Alucard, and in fact, again, this is another great example of Symphony of the Night being ridiculously stuffed with secrets. Mm. A lot of weapons, and and Alucard himself has a certain amount of moves that you kind of might just accidentally um, activate by inputting, say, a a dragon punch, you know, Street Fighter-type manoeuvre or a fireball, something like that. But one of his default moves is if you uh, tap the triangle button, or Y on the XBLA version, is uh, Alucard does a backdash. Now, that's quicker than walking. Um, so if you watch a lot of videos of people playing Symphony of the Night, and no doubt people who have played it through umpteen times, like Andy here, so you're one of these people who basically backdashes around the place. Yeah, yeah, the, that game, as far as I'm concerned, it's triangle to move. Like That's the, that's the official controls, you know, like... That's a very strange thing, isn't it? No, I didn't do that simply because um, Alucard's walk animation is so beautiful. It's like it one of the amazing. best sprite animations I've ever seen. But yeah, yeah, I can understand someone doing that. I just I wanted to soak in the environment, so I didn't want to speed through, so I never used that technique. Fair enough. Um, one of the things you mentioned about like, being packed with secrets, which I'm sure we'll probably go into more detail later, oh, but there's a great amazing. one in the animation. Um, and I've only ever seen it once, and I'm convinced it might actually be rubbish. I might have made this up. Um, so going in completely um, without checking my fact, but I'm sure. Just want to see if one of you guys have seen it. Um, I was jumping and hit the double jump animation at the point where one of Medusa heads clipped me. Yes, you turned and I've into only a seen it once. Yeah, he just turned into a gargoyle and dropped and, to the floor. Right. You're and pretty I've seen much it invincible, once. aren't you? When when it goes on, uh, you don't really yeah. take any damage, and I think you you produce 
a huge amount of damage yourself, and it is, it's quite a rare yeah. thing. It happened to me once on my playthrough. Like everything else in the game, it's it's uh, stunningly well drawn as well. Um, yeah, there's so there's other secrets. There's uh, there's there's places you can sit down, and and Alucard will fall asleep if you stay there. There's that bizarre fruit machine in a room, as I recall. Which you can do there's, something um, with. There's like a confessional uh, place as yeah, well where that's you get a great priest. Yeah. Um, oh, so many things. There's the bird that lays eggs and raises chicks. There's the telescope that you can look through. You see the ferryman. The, yeah, the ferryman or the fish. The, the, there's obviously sound touches. I think my favourite touch in the whole thing is when you need the, the clock tower ring to finally make your way yeah. towards what would be the sort of mid end to end battle. Um, and then mm. the clock actually chimes 13 times, which is, you know, in yeah. in, in traditional tales, that signifies the death of a family member. Um, mm. so Or the imminent death of a family member. So uh, that that was always a, a touch that I absolutely adored in it, or, or simple things like the, the fountain. Um, it, it's the biggest room where you fight one of the bosses, oh, and the fountain yeah. all runs to blood after the, if you stand around. And it, God, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah, there's some various graphical references to previous games in the series. Yep. Uh, various references to other other things like Nosferatu and Lord of the Rings. Um, and then, of course, from a gameplay point of view, um, this is an RPG, so you get rare drops, which are kind of important in this game because there's some stuff that you can get if you hang around a lot. I think one of the places, and we haven't even talked about, we haven't actually sort of describe the basic gameplay if you don't know i'm surprised you're listening to this podcast but it's a 2d platformer with hacking and slashing that's all you really need to know with a giant map you're in a castle you're trying to get to the next bit um you get various abilities along the way traditional um vampiric abilities like being able to turn into mist or a wolf bat of course um and so on um, but there's also things like um, you, yeah, you equip uh, armor and 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 a cloak and uh, and a sword, or weapons. You can have a two-handed weapon or or left and right-handed weapons. Rings and, and um, capes and and you know things that will impact you. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, it's a game that massively yeah. all undersold itself in all the things that it actually featured, and I think that's what caught mm. so many people out is that they were either sort of, they were taken back by how tough it seems or you know, especially mm. I know you will see it in the correspondence. How many people played it, and they were just sort of lost, unsure on what to do or, or how to do these the most simple things. I think there was at least three people I spoke to on Twitter who asked me, "How do you save?" So it it, it is a game which really doesn't offer much in terms of advice, um, but it also, like we've mentioned, that the, the the word secrets. There are so many secrets to discover just by experimenting there there are some instances where i really love the fact that the game didn't tell me anything because uh, there's this weapon called the shield rod um, yeah that man. You can get. <laughs> and if you just use it like a regular weapon it's quite an effective you know tool for bashing up monsters but if you i accidentally pressed the button that i had the shield equipped to with the uh, and the sh- uh, shield rod button at the same time and then it activates like this superpower thing where your shield becomes the best weapon in the game and you yeah, just walk forward and kills everyone um and i discovered that totally by accident after after the fact um i looked it up online and it was something everyone knew about but yeah. Yeah, it was just great discovering that for myself. I think it's little things like that, the little charms, the nuances, the, the discoveries of, of little things are the, are the same kind of things that are drawing people towards games like Dark Souls now where you almost get to experience something and, and it almost feels like 
maybe I'm the first one to ever discover that that that, that, that does yeah. that kind of thing and and by simply not throwing all the information out at you and saying look if you do this this can happen um by leaving that to the players on discoveries it's it becomes sort of this experience that that is quite rare in games and and I think it's incredibly pure um, and left to the player. And, and again, I think all the stories you hear back about people discovering and, and progressing through demons and dark souls, uh, it always sort of brings me back to thinking about the, the, the experiences that I had way back in 1998 when I first played Symphony of the Night. Well, I, mm. I've been playing Dark Souls recently, and I have to say that they're, while mechanically there are a lot of differences, it does feel like... Um, these games were designed with similar mindsets. Like there is mm. a similar approach to the way these games are constructed, in that they're really, really vague about what you can do and the stuff that you can do with all these uh, weapons and mechanics. But um, once you get into the mindset, once you get into the headspace that you need um, to be in this game, it's better than almost anything else it's just fantastic from what little dark souls i have played far too little uh, and demon souls the actual the structure or the or the, the rhythm the pattern of gameplay the sortie from save point to next area all the while feeling like you're going a little bit too far and you're hoping that that next exit you take will be a save room and not a boss fight things like yeah. that kind of that does that does ring very true of of the dark souls experience i don't think it is so different i don't know how many um weapon types there are in this game there's certainly um once you find the uh, hilariously uh, acted voice uh, of the the shopkeeper um you get uh, access to a kind of bestiary list and you can see just how many enemy sprites there are in this game yeah. again this is something that this couldn't have fit onto a onto a mega drive or snes cartridge it would have been just far too many uh, megabits. I think the the game on PSN uh, comes in about 300 meg, so about a third of a gig, which is yeah, pretty sizable for a game in 1997. Um, but how many weapons there are, I'm not sure, but certainly there seem to be quite almost limitless number of kind of combinations yeah. and 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 little tricks and things you can do yeah. with each one and and different ways of attacking and defending certain monsters. I like that they weren't afraid of letting weapons just break the game completely as well. Mm. Like they, Is it this Chrissy Grimm? Oh, the Chrissy Grimm, yeah, yeah. Like it, there's um, an enemy in the library called the Shmoo. It's uh, like a weird ghost thing um, it, in the inverted library, which, again, we'll get on to later, I'm sure. But um, what happens is um, kill a load of those, raise your luck stat. I mean, the first time I stumbled across it was, was literally by luck. Um, but eventually one of them will drop this weapon. You equip it, it's a sword that attacks about 10 times for every button press. Yeah. Like, really, really quick. And not only that, it's one of the strongest overall weapons in the game anyway. So you could just stand in front of pretty much any enemy and just tap the button three times and they you completely tear them in half. And this is a, a rare drop, is it, somewhere? It's really rare, yeah. It's the, I think it's the rarest drop. I, I remember on my, on, on, on my playthrough, um, I intentionally went, after I'd completed it, I intentionally loaded up save, went back into the... To, sort of farm schmooze to try and get it to drop and I must have killed a good between 100 and 200 of them and didn't get a single drop and I was raging because at the time Josh you'd actually posted on on Twitter yeah. earlier that day saying 
Just got the chrysogram. I was like, oh. Yeah, but I spent an hour and a half trying because I completed the game, so I was just uh, looking for other secrets. And I thought, wow, the the chrysogram is this weapon that everyone keeps talking about. I want to get my hands on it. And I spent an hour and a half farming smooths trying to get that thing. Just goes back <laughs> and forth, back and forth. But yeah, that weapon's fantastic because um, another thing that you didn't mention is that you can walk while using it. Other yeah, weapons, oh yeah, of course. Uh, other weapons <laughs> have to you have to pull to slash but this one you could just carry on walking forward so it's just like Alucard's just casually walking past while enemies just die in front of him and on the topic of so many weapons I just want to mention that you know we've mentioned that there are so many different permutations to have that there are loads of weapons in the game that even have sort of hidden moves by just doing you know this standard sort of fireball technique down down forward forward and then an attack or or you know takes on that that will do like super swipes and there are loads of those different sub-moves to each weapon as well, and you think there's just an incredible amount of depth there. That These are never told to you on the weapon. Some will mention that it may have special moves, um, and that's not even on all the weapons that do, so you've got to try them, and then, you know, you never know, you might end up with a super attack where you start whipping across the screen, or you've got one where you'll sort of... Um, you'll slide back through an opponent and then attack them from what would be behind to do... I think it's mm. two or three times the standard damage in a critical hit, and... That is just absolutely outstanding. Isn't it weird stuff? There's weird stuff, as I recall. Secrets like um, at the start of the game, like half of your um, options settings in the config are actually kind of uh, grayed out or they're just dotted. And then it's actually doing certain things in the game and collecting certain items that gives you access to actual game config options and things like yeah. that like isn't one of them like one of them gives you access to a multi-colored menu screens and stuff like that instead of just single yeah, color or i can't the, you know the, the same thing that was in uh, final fantasy 7 for example where you change the, the colored boxes yeah. that, that was a feature in this game mm. and, and there are the, i mean there are so many things that you pick up and there's a, the little sort of gems that allow you to do additional things like you'll open open blue doors is an obvious one but they, they become loads and there's the the uh, familiar pickups and um, then there's the spells which are in the game, um, which is quite unusual because you can actually buy the spells or at least a few of the spells from the shopkeeper. But if you actually yeah. know the combination of the spell, you can actually do it from the very start of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just put in the right. If you put in the right controller input for any of these special moves, they just suddenly appear yep. in the config. And that's and and you can do them at any time. And that, obviously, that's really unusual in the game. I remember I was playing, and all of a sudden, these fireballs started going across the screen, and I'd accidentally yeah. inputted a uh, spell command, and it's like, incredible. Yeah, so astonishing stuff. Um, that shopkeeper again, actually. Uh, remember in coming coming across them yesterday and there's a few things about that there's there's some items that you just it again it it just kind of gives you half information like here's some stuff you don't definitely necessarily need it but you probably want to get it um and then yeah there's some weapons you know you've got a simple does that sword make my attack number go up any is that you know and and that sort of thing but then you've got all these other things and there's even some like instructional you can buy an instructional video of how to defeat a boss faster that you've already fought and stuff like this and this is a game that is based around replay value for instance we were talking about the the fact that playing the opening section uh dictates your your character potentially if you if you do it quickly enough you get you get more hit points but you can only do it as quick as as quick as that if you can skip the text it, the 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 cutscene, which you could only do if you played through the game once already. Anyway, I think my favourite purchase I ever made from the shopkeeper is the map, which you immediately buy and yeah. you look at it and you go, "Oh my god, it's massive!" And then you realise that that map isn't actually everything. Half finished. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's about it's about it's about half of it, if that. 
um, uh, uh, it just gives you an idea of places that you can go. Um, and yeah, I mean, that is an enormous amount of the game. And, and if, you know, this has been a massive love in so far, and apolog unapologetically so. But there are a few things that can be frustrating about the game, um, such as that situation where you have just walked for 15 minutes across the map. You found various secrets in various rooms that you got no idea how you'd ever find them again and then you stumble into a boss room with 11 hit points remaining and you die that's pretty that's pretty harsh um it's not like dark souls where you can go back and pick up everything that you dropped you can't do that in this you've got to reload yeah yeah uh, i think alex actually mentioned in his in his correspondence didn't he that that was going into the game he didn't know a whole lot about it and he, he actually mentioned that yeah. In particular, he actually said the game was completely unforgiving. That that he'd been farming yeah. and all of a sudden dead, and that that is it. Even Dark Souls and Demon Souls are a lot friendlier. They are, yeah. Um, but then there is the you know another part of the experience. Um, there's a couple of doors early on in the game that are, are it's you know magically sealed. That's all it says. You go up to it, it says magically sealed, and then at some point they're no longer magically sealed because of something that's happened. It never explains why. So in the meantime, you've been kind of trying to go to every corner of the map. Um, and this is as good a time as any to mention the percentage thing where every single square of map visited uh, adds to your overall completion percentage to the point that you can uh, complete the game with over 200% due to a, I think I think it was meant to be 200 but I think the point six yeah, is it was 200.6 but you can actually glitch to 400 yeah by various crazy methods um i remember my first completion on on playstation back in 98 i guess it was i got to i think it was one square whatever the whatever whatever that percentage is minus one square of map and i have no fucking clue to this day where it is but by the end of this game you are turning into the bat and bumping up against every single corner of every ceiling trying to complete if you're retentive about it. Or um, worse, where you've got to do the super jump as a wolf in the yeah. around caverns to hit, I think, what is it, about nine squares that are above you, and the only yeah. way you can do it is with that super jump. Fond memories of doing this? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I set out the challenge that, that for this, this show. I didn't just want to complete it. I wanted to, you know, say that I'd actually explored every square, and and I it came to the point where some aren't really aren't obvious. There are some really tough rooms to get into, like one where you've got to hit... There's four cogs across two different rooms, and you've got to hit each one a certain number of times until they make a certain sound to open up a gate. And, and you think these are really sort of out there that you wouldn't necessarily get. And I, one of the things I found was um, it was actually a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet, and it was all drawn out in the squares, and it was really intricately done. And I think at one point, similar to what you had, Leon, you had maybe one square left. I had three at the end of the game. And I sat yep. in front of this spreadsheet and my game map for over 30 <laughs> minutes going, yeah, yep, got that, got that. And then oh. there it is and, and make my way to it. It sounds really menial and it, it's it's one of these things. It's something that achievement hunters have had since where you think, what's the point in getting it? But other people are saying, yeah, I, I enjoyed going to get it. That was sort of the rush back then. And, and it still follows through now that I can say, yes, I've actually explored every single bit of that game or accepted the challenge and done it. And, I wouldn't change it was that. obviously a great move to to put the um to put that achievement in the XBLA version yes, to yes. to give you some small you know extra incentive to do it because obviously doing it on on PSN version or even the PSP version you pretty much only have the warm glow of satisfaction exactly. for doing it. 
Do you do it every time, Andy? You've played through this game a number of times. Do you, do you have to do this? Is it a compulsion to... I'm still working through it on the Xbox version. I've done it once on the PlayStation version. Um, but no, it's to be honest, it's not. Most of the time, I kind of end it. Because uh, mm-hmm. like, after the first time I played it through, which was on this summer holiday, we did everything. We finished the game and then, then finished it properly. And then we started looking for the 200%. And then we started, you know, doing stupid things like putting the CD in the CD player. Like, we ripped this game apart, you know. We, all the little secrets that we found that weekend. In fact, the, the only time I've ever seen the gargoyle I was talking about a minute ago was during that first ridiculously intensive playthrough. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, it was during that time where we started breaking through walls and stuff, using glitches and going, okay, let's see how much we can push this. And I, I can't actually remember what the most I've ever managed to get to, but it, it was probably quite high up there. It was definitely sort of leaning towards the the two hundred and six. I don't. I've yeah. never gone further than that. I've, I've seen some of the glitches where people cover the yeah. whole map pretty much. Yeah. But um, we've never never went into those that sort of territory. But um, no, I don't ever feel the need to do it. I, I I think it was a really cool version putting it in the three sixty one. Same as giving the achievement for doing that first dude without being hit. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, it, it acknowledges the history and it acknowledges the fact that, pe- right. that people had always been doing that with that game. And the fact it's really open to it. Um, I mean, it's not intentional, but it doesn't really penalise you for doing it or anything like that. So, um, I, I, don't, I don't feel the need to do the, the the really ridiculous percentage. But I do get anal whenever I walk through any room. Like, yes. I, I, yeah, I can't, I can't leave unfinished space in a room. It, it it's horrible when you have to, you know, like a really high room and you haven't got the abilities to get up to the top and cover it yet. But yep, yeah. you know, I, I, I walk, you know, I slide through most corridors and then do weird jumping things to try and clip areas. Quite right too, as it should be. Um, yeah, so we may as well talk about um, what happens. Why are we talking about two hundred percent for those who don't know? Um, who'd care to explain kind of what happens at the uh, end game? Should we call it the not end game? You fight your way through the castle, beat a bunch of bosses, and eventually you get to the area where you fought Dracula in the intro. Only it's Richter Belmont there, and you fight him and you kill him, and the game ends. Yep. It's a bit of a downer. Mm. And that's it. Or is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. We actually, the first time I, I discovered this, it was, again, during that ridiculous first session, and it yeah. was it was found, no player's guides, no nothing. Like It, it was the real deal. That um, Hidden in the game, if you, and and you will stumble across them if you're going for a hundred percent. They're not yeah. they're not random or ri- or ridiculously hidden, but they are things that you you know you might only get after you finish the game, um, saw the ending, and then go, I'm going to hundred percent this. If 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 you go for that, you will find them. So, um, but there's two rings in the game, and dead item descriptions are a bunch of weird random letters that mm. do admittedly do look quite obviously like they are part of a sentence. And when you have both of them, and you piece together the two parts of the sentence, it says, we're together in tower, or words to that effect. Mm. So you wear them together when you fight the final boss, alongside a pair of glasses. Yeah, the holy glasses. You wear them to- yeah, That's it, yeah, you, you wear them together in a tower, and it allows you access to this thing that gets you the holy glasses. Um, so you go fight the last boss, but this time you put on the holy glasses, and there's a big skull controlling Richter Balmont, because he's being possessed by horrible things and you kill that instead and he goes thanks Alucard but the Dracula's in another castle um, so we've got to get him and 
you go into a teleporter and it teleports you back into the the room you were just in, only everything's upside down. And it's about then, if you're anything like I was at the time, mm. like, you feel a bit sick. Because <laughs> you suddenly realise like what this game is just suddenly said to you. It's like, yeah, you know the 100% you just did? Mm. That's half of it. It doesn't take as long to go through the inverted castle. No. no, no, and you can go pretty much direct to the last boss if you want, but if you go for the full 200. There's a lot yeah. in there. And um, brilliantly, it isn't just they've inverted the room. They have literally just inverted the rooms. But um, th- there's new enemies. Yeah. There's um, remixed bosses. Yeah, there's some new bosses. There's some remixed bosses. It's brilliant. It's, it, it, it is a whole new game if you go and explore it. It's like, it's, yeah. It's astonishing how they designed every jump in that game, every room in that game to be available to work upside down as well. Because you don't notice, when the, when you're first playing through, you, you don't think, oh, well, obviously, this this room's designed to work both ways up. It's not like one of those pictures of a face where the beard becomes the hair or whatever, yeah. you know, one of those. It, it's not that blatant. It's a showcase it's of absolutely fantastic level design where you never, you're never sort of sick of seeing the same area. And even though you're aware of where you are and you know, where it relates to in other places in the castle, it still feels completely fresh to the player. And and also going back to any, any sorry to interrupt, any, going back to any area generally means you go, oh, brilliant, this piece of yeah, music. Yeah, and, then, and so. then, like like Andy said, you can go direct because by this point you've already unlocked all the skill sets, you've got your familiars that you need. Yeah, Fly around as a bat. bat. Um, of course, you can still, yeah. I think you still level those up in the inverted castle, like your fog, which is pretty much useless you end up turning into i think is it an acid cloud or something and it becomes one of the best transformations in the game where you you I totally you just float through that. areas yeah. and kill everyone and um <laughs> that that's absolutely fantastic and uh, you sort of it's just really clever done and uh, like that that twist on the 100% and you realize it's only 50% and and that and the, the, the last battle that you have with Richter is absolutely so difficult until you stick the holy glasses on, mm. and then it's I think it's, it's one hit, and you you hit shaft, and you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, that that was different, and and the thing is, I think if you if you beat Richter, it is actually classed as a game completion, isn't it? You get like the credits of of a of a sort, and it's like it's like congratulations, and you're like, ah, oh. there is an ending. It's just it's a yeah. downer. It's just like, uh I think one of the things that I regret uh, coming to this so much later is that I already knew about the inverted castle before I oh. even touched this game. Yeah, um, that's a shame. I'm, because, you know, being a video game enthusiast, it's impossible not to hear people talk about uh, Symphony of the Night. And one of the first things everyone talks about is the inverted castle. So um, that was a surprise that was unfortunately ruined for me. But... Um, Still, I, I mean, I, I still respected just how well-designed that place is. Just, you know, like Leon said, the fact that this thing works upside down is just <laughs> impressive enough in of itself. It's just yeah. insane. Um, and I, actually, the Inverted Castle actually has some of my favourite uh, boss battles in the game. Um, like Beelzebub was really yes. interesting boss battle, uh, just dismantling him piece by piece. Mm. Um and oh, I'm trying to think, what's the Egyptian god one called? That was a, uh, a challenging but really interesting boss battle as well. The boss fights in this game in general, they're all spectacular enemies. They're all like really well animated, really unique, cool ways to fight them and stuff like that. Um, 
I mean, not taking it slightly off top, unless we meant to go onto it later, but what's your favourite boss fights in the game? I remember, uh, again, this is from uh, a long time ago, this hazy memory, but it, is it Bel- Beelzebub that's the kind of rotting giant cadaver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lord of the yeah, that, that one sticks in my head. Yeah. Um, I've, I still really like the first time you fight Legion. Sorry, the, the first time I fought Legion. It's just the gigantic orb of dead yeah. bodies that floats oh, around. God, yeah. And as you hit them, they actually fall off and then la- land on the floor and you have to obviously take them out as well. Oh, yeah, I that, mean, it's, a, awesome. it's a really easy boss. Really, really easy boss. But it just looks spectacular when you hit, like, hit it with like a gigantic swing of like a weapon and you just see all these guys go flying into the air. I know we've already touched on this, but the art direction throughout this game is just spectacular the boss battles all look fantastic but not just the boss battles just the the smaller enemies that you fight throughout the game um there what what was that there was this boss where it was like a, a lizard creature but like had a lady for a tail like I, I, there's stuff oh, like yes. that it's just really freaky weird designs that you just don't see from games anymore and it's, it's just it's, really creative it's the continuity of quality across the I would say, I would say at least a hundred enemies. I would say maybe a hundred varieties of enemies. Yeah, in that more game. than that. Yeah, and and you think for that that even the little animations they have, like when you kill them, the way they sort of the they'll drop to the knees and sort of bleed from the neck before but, collapsing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think my favorite boss isn't really a boss. It's the one that it's. Um, I think it's a, it's a sickle or a hammer, and it's an invisible ghost, and his weak spot is the handle. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yes. it's, it's, it's getting in near him it's getting in close enough to hit him before and, and backing back out with what would obviously be triangle uh, to, to sort of backslide out the way of the swing before doing it again and and that's just like a, a standard boss really it's just a guardian mm. of a room it's not um, a, yeah. an entire cutscene I think in terms of a cutscene it is the one where the bodies fall off purely because I, I did it as a bat uh, fired fireballs and pretended I was playing R-Type for a bit so that, that was quite nice um, I, I, I don't think I couldn't name my best one in the same way I couldn't name my worst one. They're just all great. <laughs> um, the uh, talking about the animation as well. That's probably the one thing that um, sort of it, it puts me off the Xbox Live Arcade version. Is um, it, it, when that game came out, it was um, when Microsoft was still putting like ridiculous limits on Live Arcade titles because they had to be able to fit on a memory card. And I think Castlevania was the first one they lifted. Yeah, the it was certainly one or of them. Ra- or raised the limit. Yeah. yeah, they raised the limit, but it still wasn't. A- but the um, the Xbox one, the live arcade one, actually has loads of animations missing. Does it? I like, did not know. There's that. a bunch. Of, there's a bunch of enemies that just go poof, in a puff of smoke when they die. You know, yeah. just do the, the sort of fire explosion death. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of okay. st- bunch of stuff missing. Yeah, I think they raised yeah. it from 50 meg to 250 meg, and I think that would probably explain why the PlayStation One runs in at 300. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, quite a lot of the time the PlayStation Ones are bigger, but but yeah, well, yeah, they, yeah well, I mean, obviously the reason for that is it's the um, it's just an ISO, isn't it? Basically, it's a direct PS One, yeah. whereas the 360 ones are poor. But yeah, they they had to cut stuff out to make it fit. It's not much, but if you're a massive nerd like myself no that's good stuff we're, we're, it's a deciding we'll fact. come back to that because I want to talk about the pros and cons for people who maybe whose interest may be piqued um, at the end of the issue because um, there are there are pros and cons to all of the versions definitely um, so yeah we'll definitely we'll definitely talk about that but um, before we go on to hearing from our forum correspondents uh, we must talk about the bonus uh, that is a kind of 
another excuse to play through the game if you want. Carl, you actually, I know you actually did the whole thing, um, which I've never done, uh, which is you unlock the ability to play as Richter. Yeah, Richter's, uh, it was really interesting because the thing that you notice is how differently he plays. Yeah. More old he, school, more like classic. He, yeah, pre, he, he doesn't, have, Symphony of the he doesn't Night. have the fantastic jump, but he has the special skill, which is essentially a dragon uppercut, which you can sort of chain, which yeah. is absolutely fantastic. You chain it indefinitely yeah, as well. And, and, just keep going. And he does sort of like a... You can spin his whip in the old school He'll style. slide across the ground and then leap, mm. and you can constantly leap, almost sort of similar to how you'd expect like Echo to do it in the, in the old game. Yeah. And, and we mentioned watching, you know, speedrun videos. If anyone wants to see anything that is truly beautiful, watch the speedrun records for people going through as Richter in <laughs> yeah. Castlevania. Because you can go straight there, can't you? You could just go. I think you can make a beeline for I think it. The record is eight minutes and twenty seconds <laughs> through both yeah. castles and the completion. Just, and you just, know, just to yeah. put that into context, uh, how how long did uh, your general, your normal completion take for you know as Alucard to get two hundred percent or whatever? Uh, Fifteen hours. Yeah. yeah, about that for me as well. <laughs> Down to eight minutes as Richter. <laughs> and and it's a whole different experience. And it's, it's not even like it ended there. Every sub-weapon that you've gotten, I think there's between six and eight sub-weapons mm, mm. of you know, stopping time and the little laser beam thing that goes around. Chalk, and the, is that? The Bible and the holy water and, and mm. so forth. Every one of those... Is far more spectacular yeah. in the hands of Richter. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he uses the um, he uses the weapons crash from uh, Rondo of Blood. Yes, like you could uh, you could either chuck them individually or use a load of your hearts at once and do this what's called a weapons crash. But um, you know, you could, it, was your, it was your smart bomb basically, and yeah, he fires a loads at, and he, he doesn't have any of the RPG elements. No, no, so, you can't do a quip. Or, you you try yeah. and do it, and you just get. I think is it paused? It says paused, yeah. and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um. But what's um, and you can't pick up health. Well, you get the occasional pot roast, but like you can't just like find and use health because you can't get to the menu. So you, you have to get basically you get you're running between save points and each save. And it point becomes that adds the extra challenge to the game where you know he feels super powered in some regards in his attacks, but you you feel really weak if you start getting hit and and with the almost limitations and you you need a, an element of skill to sort of start chain chaining these weapons together. Um, in the same way that anyone who's ever tried to do the super jump in Castlevania Symphony of the Night to begin with, they find it quite tough until you get that yeah. timing, and then it's mm. like it yeah. becomes so natural. Um, and with Richter, all all that is sort of multiplied because he's got so many chain attacks, and uh, it, it's not a must, um, and it can be quite difficult and daunting, even if you've, you've completed it as as Alucard. But it's certainly something I would recommend. And and his his special, you know, his weapon crashes they they replace. What is Alucard's dashback, and they're amazing. You, you sort of get to experience them briefly at the start of the game in the, in the first battle, where you, you press Y with the holy water, and all of a sudden, just the heavens open and the rains pouring down. And that that side of it was, it it, it feels like a brilliant game, and it feels like a completely different game. Uh, it, it's one of the greatest post-game bonuses I could have thought of. Hmm.
All right, then, it's about time we heard from uh, a correspondence from the Cana Rince Forum, canarince.com slash forum. First up, a short one from Dante Fireseed. He says, I am a proud owner of the PS1 original, which I will certainly be holding on to for posterity and maybe profit in years to come. Absolute classic. Uh, now, some of these we're taking, these were kind of uh, people who, uh, as they do, and as you should consider, uh, play along with, with Kane and Rince. So um, some people here posting kind of as they're playing Symphony of the Night for the first time. So Andy, could you read out Doggett's uh, early experiences with the game here? Okay, here we go. Doggett says, Bought this last month off PSN and I suck at it. There's no guide to anything and even though I use the map, I still go round in circles. It's one of those games I really want to like. Looks and sounds great, but I can't seem to get anywhere with it. I didn't even know how to save until I saw someone do it on YouTube. <laughs> Others seem so enthusiastic about it and I guess there's a lot to love, but some people, uh, but I'm just not there yet. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's something we'll see echoed. Uh, Freeman Stack says, "Love, love, love this game. Bought it on release in 19. Uh, he doesn't say that. Bought it on release <laughs> in 97. The special edition version, game, music disc, and art book. Played it, completed it, played it again, but still didn't really understand what a lot of the weapons or magic did." Ended up trading it in for the first Legacy of Cain game. Yes, I know. What was I thinking? Many years pass uh, with. A lull in PS3 games, I decided to buy it again off eBay. £70 later, I play through it, this time with the wonder that... This time with the wonder that is the internet to guide me through everything. Uh, Librarian Easter egg, shield rod, sword brothers glitch, etc. What's the sword brothers glitch? Does anyone know? I have no idea. It's how you get get through the walls. Play it, love it, and promise myself that this time I'm going to keep this copy, but yet... Uh, yet again, I get I get rid of it. Can't rem- uh, can't even remember why. A year later, uh, I once again bought it off eBay. Seventy quid again, bargain, and it hasn't left my collection. Every year, I play through it to completion and love every second of it. The graphics look a bit rubbish nowadays. I disagree, sir. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not having that. <laughs> But the sheer variety, <laughs> but the sheer variety of baddies is excellent, and the soundtrack is one of the best I own. Such variety in musical styles. The bosses show lots of imagination and are very satisfying to kill. Once you learn that one move, uh, that one move that will stop them in their tracks. The wonder and dread I felt when I first entered the Upside Down Castle is like that when I first encountered Regenerators in RE4. (laughs) It felt like the difficulty is ramped up a fair bit, but each new screen is rewarding, whether it's a new monster, new music, or an awful bit of dialogue. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, Andy Krasaki, as we mentioned earlier. Carl? Andy said... Bought this on the PlayStation 1 purely as I'd loved Super Castlevania 4, the only game in the series I'd played, and wanted to see if this would live up to that, and it's unquestionably one of the PlayStation 1's very best games. Huge depths to explore, an outstanding soundtrack, and of course that moment when you get a new ability. Think back to an area you couldn't access and go, aha, now I can find out what's in there. And to this day, one of my proudest moments in gaming was figuring out how to access the real castle without the use of a guide or anything. I felt the ending was pretty downbeat and felt sure I was missing something. After eventually noticing a ring in my inventory said, Where? Clock. I thought, I need to find the other one. When I finally did, it was a proper Eureka gaming moment. But instead of a new ending, 
It was an entirely new castle to explore. Mind blown. And I think his Games Master magazine slagged it off a bit, saying, it's 2D and everything. It's 3D now. It doesn't look very good. It's fucking ridiculous. I lent my copy to a friend of my brother many years ago, and I've never seen it since. Boo. Bastard. Uh, Andy, do you want to take Snaky Dave's? He says, he says, I replayed this not long ago on Vita. Fantastic. Man, the Chris Grimm kind of breaks the game, though. Ha ha. Random drop in the library and suddenly everything was dying. Glad I only got it in the replay and not my first time through because while it's empowering, it saps the tension out of the inverted castles, tougher baddies and bosses. Yeah, I was interested in that idea. Like, if, if I don't remember ever stumbling across Chris Grimm in when I played it, but I... It, I did, I, I did, but it was by that time I was looking for that. Yeah. Like I, I, I was looking for that moment where it's like I, like whenever I play an RPG, I, I like to get to the point where I bested sure. it and I can just go around and be safe. Like to the point where I even got to that in my first playthrough of Dark Souls. You know, I, I really tried for that, and I, I think the reason why I didn't mind getting the Crystal the first time is one is I was a lot younger, so I guess I was playing games a little bit differently. But getting it was kind of like. I, I, you know, I received it at the point totally by luck where I was like, I'm pretty much done here. I think I'd probably already finished the game really. And I was just going for the 200% and fighting all the bosses yeah. I hadn't fought, which is, you know, I mean, it's still obviously it meant those bosses were a breeze, but, but at that point I wanted to be a monster going around the castle and wrecking everything. Yeah. It would be horrible if you received it in the first castle yeah. or like, you know, sheer luck the first time you go through the library. But, um, no, I I I I found it first time, but I was cool. You've had enough tension by that point, enough kind of yeah feeling, un- underpowered. Yeah, uh, interesting one here from Link six six one six. He says, Symphony of the Night occupies a strange place in my gamer heart. I played the Metroidvanias in an odd order. Harmony of Dissonance, Dawn of Sorrow, Gallery of Labyrinth, Symphony of the Night, Aria of Sorrow, and finally Order of Ecclesia. It's a somewhat confusing series, as for every step forward there always seems to be another one backwards. All of them feel very... Designed, though, after Symphony of the Night. What I mean by that is that Symphony of the Night, I think, almost reveled in the fact that it was the underdog of the two projects being worked on at the time of production. So many little secrets that honestly felt like they were just for the secret of it. The confessional is maybe the best example of this, but there are just so many trivial little things to find through the entire game. Later Castlevanias were clearly constructed to capitalise on that, and as a result mostly feel uninspired, even if technically equal. The exception to this, I think, is Dawn of Sorrow, which I generally found to be the superior game, even if significantly shorter and more linear, as the general experience of exploring the castle was more interesting. Although there is a level where the charm is almost overly designed, with the Pokemon-like collection of souls, the only one that stands up mechanically and feels like the developers were doing more than the motions since Symphony of the Night. Symphony of the Night does beat most other games in creating a bizarre yet coherent space. It really is amazing just how natural the whole castle feels, when realistically, it makes no sense. The castle is about 50 squares tall, each square, if I recall correctly, being about three times Alucard's height, which, if we assume Alucard is 180 centimetres tall, is approximately 27,000 centimetres. 180 times 50 equals 9,000, times 3 equals 27,000. Otherwise, understood as 27 kilometres tall, and the castle seems to be a bit wider, which is, all in all, rather large. Even if I've overestimated that height by double, it would at least be 13.5 kilometres high, which is still higher than Mount Everest, 8.8 kilometres tall. (laughs) So, um, I've got to admit, when I was playing 
a game as uh, as an undead <coughs> rampaging um, man hacking his way through a castle full of creatures um, and impossible things. I wasn't thinking this castle's 27 kilometres high, but it's the sort of thing that could drive you mad. I like how he never had a problem with it being upside down. Well, maybe maybe that's maybe that's the tip of the iceberg. Um, well, you have to teleport between them. Uh, yes, um, Ari G says, fifth generation masterpiece. Without a shadow of the doubt, Symphony of the Night is one of the strongest games of the fifth generation of consoles. Somewhat amusing considering the fact that much of the game, if not all, could easily have been facilitated a, ge- a generation earlier. Not sure if, if I'd agree with that, but oh well. Um, without, go- uh, without going into the vast details of what the game offers in terms of gameplay and content, as this has been discussed so heavily elsewhere, what I want to add is that Symphony offers you as much as you, the player, puts into it. You can play the game to 100% and never know that there is more, and you can miss out on some fantastic familiars, miss out on power upgrades, or miss out on well-designed rooms. Most of all, the game is fun, and that is what's important. True enough. Kevor32 here. I was a latecomer to the Castlevania series, only getting into them after watching Jim Rolfer's rundown of the series. I bought the classic NES one on Wii Virtual Console and went on to play through it and love all of them. As soon as I learned of its existence, I bought the XBLA version. I played through it, taking ages due to its slightly obtuse system for spells and its remarkable habit of not telling you things such as how to use items like the power jump and the wolf attacks. The fake ending is a good idea that carries into later games but feels kind of arbitrary. Also, the clue on the rings that is the only clue is wrong, possibly mistranslated. Despite these few flaws and the fact that it gets sort of easy if you find the right weapons, the combat knife and the chrysogram break the combat, the running and platforming feels really nice. The combat is fun. The boss fights are varied and interesting. The character animations are just beautiful, especially on Alucard himself. Those are just fantastic. The voice acting and dialogue are horrendous, but that just gives the game character and has given us... At least one truly memorable line. At least one. All the games after this, until the reboot, followed this formula and gave us some unsung classics, such as Order of Ecclesia. Castlevania remains one of my favourite game series. Lots of love for the Castlevania. Now, uh, this is a bit lengthy, but I think it's good because, um, firstly, Alex 79UK took time to share his whole Symphony of the Night experience with us, and he's very much kind of invested in the whole Kane rinse thing and he often plays along with this and stuff so I think this is a really good kind of indication of maybe what your journey will be yeah, like if I you've not a lot if you've not played the game all experienced isn't yeah. it going through we've all had these thoughts so, as so if you'll permit me he started off this is right when he started playing it he says uh This game is brutally unforgiving. I'd not saved in about 30 minutes, farming easy enemies for XP, and as I was making my way across the map to a save point, I happened across a big lizard thing that I'd previously easily beaten, but this time, blam, fuck all your health in one blast. Ha, tough shit, yikes. And then, a little later, he came back with, totally stuck in this, just don't seem to be able to progress any further. Picked up my wolf transition magic thing and went to a clock tower area, but I can't seem to cross it. I get the wolf can jump further, but you can't get all the way across. Edit. Ah, I totally overlooked an unexplored area. On to the long library. Next day, or thereabouts, finally caved and had to consult a walkthrough for a hint on where to go next. Still plowing on through it, though. Haven't enjoyed a game this much in ages. I think I must be about halfway through, as I just got my ass handed to me by Richter. (laughs) 
<laughs> a little bit later. Hmm, yeah, so I've been playing the inverted castle for maybe 45 minutes, and I don't know. What I loved about the first castle, and most of the Castlevania games, was the exploration and only being able to access certain areas once you gained a special ability, slash key, slash beaten a boss. The inverted castle, you can go anywhere, it seems. All paths available all at once. It's a bit overwhelming, and I'm not really sure where I should be going or what I should be doing. Well, I guess my end goal is to kill Dracula, so maybe I'll just go and look for him. Must press on, though. Determined to finish this before the podcast. I was doing so well until Dark Souls came along and stole every spare moment I have. And then he finishes up with this love letter to Castlevania Symphony of the Night, really. Just finished this. Absolutely brilliant game. Almost flawless. I can honestly say that this is one of the best games I've ever played from the beginning. The almost tired cliche of starting the game totally overpowered before being flunked right back to the start with a weak character ready to explore and to be built up right to the final fight. I was hooked. Let's get the graphics and sound out the way to the st- uh, way to start. Both were amazing. The soundtrack was great and it seemed to fit the game perfectly. And the graphics, in all their blocky glory, were colourful, fantastically detailed and perfectly gory and horrific. I spent a few minutes flicking between the original graphics and the, quote, enhanced anti-aliased smoothed over graphics. And frankly, anyone playing with all those artificial filters over the top of the glorious original visuals should be ashamed of themselves. Pause for emphasis. The first castle was full of mystery and exploration. Opening up new areas was really exciting, and the sheer variety between sections meant the game never once felt repetitive. The amount of weapons, shields and armour was fantastic, and the fact that most of them had different abilities or secrets gave the game a whole level of depth you could easily completely ignore if you wanted to. That was brilliant to me. The fact that you could play through the whole game without discovering a single secret, but if you put the effort in you were grandly rewarded with secret areas, secret deadly weapon combinations, magic spells, and a whole host of other stuff. I'll admit I felt almost a little lost at times and needed to refer to a walkthrough to see where I should be heading next. But on the whole, there's plenty. There's a pretty steady route through the game. Moving from the normal castle to the inverted one was a bit weird at first. I knew it was coming, but I don't know what I expected. I didn't think it would literally be the same castle, but upside down. At first I was really digging this second castle. I enjoyed the fact that exploration was restricted in the normal castle by keys held or what type of armour you were wearing. The complete openness of the inverted castle seemed like a bit of a disappointment, but then I realised I needed to start thinking differently. The first castle was about unlocking, exploring and finally reaching Richter, but the second one you had had you seeking out five artefacts to open the door to Dracula, something I didn't even realise until checking the walkthrough again. The difficulty seemed to spike right up during the second part of the game, but only for a bit. Overall, the game was tough, but some of the enemies you face almost immediately on venturing into the second castle seemed downright unbeatable, until you learn how to beat them. Every enemy needed analysing, thinking about the best way to take them down. I liken the game almost to a 2D Dark Souls, and I really stand by that. I realised about two-thirds through the game that you could equip the Alucard shield and the shield rod weapon, and using magic turn the shield into a completely game-breaking power weapon. I took down the Galamoth boss with it, and then felt really cheap and refused to use it again. The boss battles really do deserve a special mention, while most of them weren't actually all that difficult once you've worked out how to kill them each and every one looked absolutely gorgeous amazingly grotesque and terrifying really the stuff of nightmares i finally completed the game a couple of nights ago and i think the vita was the perfect format to play it on given how little time i have to dedicate to gaming these days the save points in the game were very well spread out i never felt like i was too far from a save room but the ability to put the vita into sleep mode whenever i needed to made it even better to play in short bursts if need be I finished the game with 186.2%. 
I know I didn't find every last secret, every last area, but I'm more often... But I'm more than satisfied with the 11 hours I spent in the company of Alucard. I'm no games reviewer, but if I was, I'd have dropped a 10 out of 10 on this. Absolutely no question whatsoever. It, it was interesting hearing that because so much of that reflected my journey with the game this year. Just like slowly but surely falling in love with it. You know, not it's not an instantaneously like, oh yeah, I love it straight away. It was just this gradual like, oh my god, this game is brilliant. Just this gradual, you know, trickle effect of like, yeah, everything builds on top of each other. And then eventually you're like, yeah, this is one of the best games I've ever played. Yeah, anecdotally, there's definitely, uh, I've heard of, I think on our forum and Twitter, a few people who uh, give up at the first boss, um, which is, is actually a really easy boss once, you, once you've spotted the pattern, um, regardless of how kind of underpowered you are at that point, because it's quite easy just to avoid getting hit. Um, but anyone who starts off the game and gets that far but then you know dies early on gets disheartened has to do a a bit of progress again i would recommend beyond all doubt continuing sticking with it because yeah it's it's, uh, definitely for me it's an all-time classic i think it's it's one of those rare games where you can put all those hours into it and you can't think of one section where something was done just for the sake of doing something it was always. It felt like it was either a treat for you, like the com, uh, the confessional, which, you know, there was there was no reason for that room to be in there other than it's really quite interesting that it's there. But there's nothing, no element of combat, no progression or anything that just feels like it was there to lengthen the game. It just all felt like it was there to benefit an ex, sort of an experience and exploration through a game. So rare. Absolutely. Um. So if people do want to play this, uh, yeah, we, we we finally want to break down the pros and cons of the different versions. The first one to mention is the the first conversion, and there's a bit of a sad tale. This the game was ported over to Saturn the following year, um, but it didn't turn out very well, which is insane because the Saturn was the most capable 2D machine at the time. Here's the weird thing that um, that certainly that I grew up with in in terms of my relationship with this mm. game is the Saturn version was always the the weird holy grail mm. like it, it was the it's, and, and everywhere I went on the internet and this was largely because no one had fucking played mm. it they were just saying they had everyone was like no the Saturn version is the best version extra areas new enemies mm. new character you play as Maria all this sort of stuff and you know hook line and sinker completely convinced by it I played it it's not it's not as good as the PS1 version the four extra areas very half-arsed um, playing as Maria uh, whatever, it doesn't really add much to it. Um, it's interesting, but it's um, the, and the extra enemies. There's there's a few. There's a couple of like weird ones, like a, a like a giant tree that's in like that you fight at one point in one of the. I think it's in one of the new areas. But um, uh, yeah, and it was it was weird as well because you'd think that the Saturn would have been the perfect absolutely console for yeah. It. And but co- I mean, yeah. I, d- I didn't have this at the time. Um, to you know when I was playing it on it, uh, but I. I don't believe the four megabyte RAM expansion did anything. No, no, either to it, it didn't. It, it which, was yeah. which is some bullshit, isn't it? Yeah. When you think about like a games that would have really absolutely, benefited from it. yeah. It, it, it was a it was a quickly done port by a sub team. Um, Konami themselves have expressed disappointment with it. Um, the graphics weren't as good as the as the PS One version, which is understandable in certain aspects because of transparencies not being a thing with Saturn. But actually, the Saturn was the was the best two D machine. It had more 
it had great amount of sprite RAM and stuff, which is why so many Capcom fighting games were so much better on the Saturn and things like that. Um, so yeah, it was a bit a real kind of missed opportunity to make what what could have been the ultimate version. It's a strange one because it's obviously I, I read up on it all and I thought you know people were talking about it even before I'd started playing it and um, it was the I understand the four new areas that's interesting people would always want to go and see the new areas but one of the selling points was new enemies and it's like there's already over 100 enemies it's akin to sticking three different types of volkswagen golf in gran turismo it's like you're not really going to notice them they're just sort of an addition um yeah that that's not not going to sell it to me oh oh, i can you know i can fight a few different new types of enemies you know aside from the, the 100 plus that are already in this game and perfectly balanced and designed but it's a strange one. It's odd because I even I think was it was it BitSocket or, or or someone was talking saying they were trying to get um, a hold of a copy because they wanted to finally play, and they were determined that they were going to get a Saturn version of it to play instead of getting the you know the more easily accessible uh, PlayStation or Xbox Live or PSP versions. And and you think why it's the worst version? Don't don't buy into a few bullet points. Yeah. The um obviously there are caveats with the PAL version. Now I don't want to put a big downer on it because obviously it was the one we all played and it was amazing and stuff, but the PAL conversion is non existent. The version that you'll play on PSN on Vita is slow. If you've ever played any other Castlevania, any NTSC game or any of the handheld ones, you'll notice that Alucard kind of floats about the place. And also the graphics are crushed, um, because they're in you know they're on the they're they're the original but just squished down into 50 hertz you can ameliorate this somewhat on the vita by adjusting the screen but if you play the psn version back to back against the xbla version the the xbla version feels a lot nicer to actually play to control alucard it's just one of those things um and it's a shame that for whatever reason the psp version is not available on European PlayStation Network. Yeah, it, that's that's ridiculous because I mean, I, 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 are we all right in sort of saying that like it's the best version? Is it? Because I can't. I've I not played it. it. The finest. Oh right, um, I I have it because I'm, a, you know, I don't I here. don't have a PSP, um, so um, <laughs> oh right, you can't okay. you can't download it. Um, I'm not. Man, that that's rubbish as well that you can't download it because it's it's a great and PSP you get Rondo of Blood. Well, this is it, what the game actually is. It's not Symphony of the Night. The game is a 3D remake of Rondo of yep. Blood. That that's what you're actually buying. Mm. That's what it says on the box. Yeah. <laughs> and um, as a 3D remake of Rondo, it's really good. They haven't changed the weight of it or anything mm. like that, which you sometimes get when you convert 2D to 3D. Um, they have literally just dropped 3D spri- uh, 3D models onto the sprites. Um, when you get a certain amount of the way through the game, you also um, in Rondo of Blood, you can uh, you can unlock different routes, um, and some of them are really challenging to do. Like you've got to find an I- an item, and this is an item that you can drop automatically if you collect another item. A bit like Treasure Island Dizzy, right? <laughs> so you've got to keep the, you've got to keep the thing in your hand and not die. And you go through, I think, two really difficult levels, and it unlocks a different route. When you unlock that route, you also get a message saying. Nice one. You've just unlocked Castlevania Symphony of the Night. <laughs> That's ridiculous. In its entirety, <laughs> right? So you you unlock Symphony of the Night, but it's not just 
like P- like the PSN version. It's not just an emulated version of Symphony of the Night. Oh no. It's a version of Symphony of the Night that, one, has all the rooms redrawn so they work in wi- widescreen. Mm. And apparently a lot of the sprite work and stuff. So it's a, it's a re, it's, you know, it's a, it's a PSP version. Yeah, because if you play, of the if game. you play the PSN, uh, ROM ISO on the Vita, y- you can never get it exactly the right aspect ratio, unfortunately. Yeah. And, um, so that, that's pretty awesome. And also, it's a redub of all the terrible voice yeah, acting. Yeah, I've got mixed now, feelings about this, though, because I've well, been watching the redone scenes, and are they any better? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, you could argue that they're a little bit more professionally mm. done, but are they better? They're not as I funny. Mean, <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. It's like, I, I can only memorize, I've memorized two speeches in my life, and one of them's Giles from Street Fighter the movie, and the other one's the intro to Symphony of the Night, and that counts for something. It doesn't matter that it's awful and cheesy. Yeah. It is, that is what's, there's a brilliant B-movie charm about it all, and taking that away, and the worst part is it's the, it's almost the same. Yeah. It's, it's, but instead of being like die monster, it's just delivered in a yeah, and it it's it's delivered in a slightly more reasonable. The manner. accents are slightly more consistent, but they're still very hammy. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't yeah. say perhaps the same could be said for all religions, which is you know yeah. stuff like that was just awesome. So it's kind of a pity. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not. As but much. best best play best version to play then you reckon it's got all the animation yeah. and and and, and yeah. oh yeah no it it, it it's it's um it's the full version of it um it doesn't have the satin extra stuff no, in it, to the best no. of my knowledge it doesn't have that stuff not in it. a big but list. I'm not a fan of it anyway sure. so um I don't know if it's fully uncensored but I mean like you're really splitting hairs and you're a bit weird if you want if you really have to play the yeah I mean there's a whole game. there's a whole uh side story to be told about censorship in Castlevania over the years with crucifixes and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. But, the, the, I mean, like, the main thing that they took, I believe, is there's, there's two sets of boobs yeah. that are missing. So if you really need those, then <laughs> yeah. kind of, kind of bit creepy. But um, it, as far as the, the purists are concerned, um, it's, it, I think it's probably the most complete version mm, mm. that you can buy. of But only on a UMD or possibly on other region PSN stores. Yeah, um, and you've got to work for it as well. You don't just, it's, it's not, not just selectable out the gate. Can you do the Konami code or something? Oh man, I've no idea. I uh, did it the old fashioned way, but to the best of my knowledge, no. Hmm. It is, it's, it's an un, that's the weird, is that the best unlockable of all time? It's gotta be up there. Yeah, it's gotta be, yeah, it's gotta be right up there. Like, it? was it fin- finish, you know, f- find the secret level four or five on Rondo of Blood, and you get Symphony of Night, you get the, the sequel in its entirety. So then, um, that leaves us, we've, we've already talked mostly about it. The XBLA version, pros and cons. Uh, cons are, it's missing some animation, which we didn't know about earlier. Uh, it's missing some FMV. Uh, it does have achievements. If you, By if default, you, it has that horrible smudge. You can, fanch, yeah. But yeah. Actually, that was some, you can turn, turn the smudge filter, enhanced inverted in, in commas yeah. graphics. Um, it's running under emulation by Backbone, who aren't the best. Um, but it's fine. Apparently, the the initial version had some graphical glitches and stuff, but they patched it. Um, and that's another actually another curio. This is this is true of the original PAL disc as well, and probably the NTSC disc. On the PSN version, the sound by default is set to mono. So uh, if you want to actually listen to that soundtrack in stereo, you have to go into the options and change it manually. No idea why. I would. I. I think there's a strong argument that the best version to play, because of all the pros and cons, like including having to own a PSP and a UMD as a con, 
uh, is probably a US import of the PlayStation 1 original. So you're playing it full screen, full speed, and you're playing the exact original version. But whatever you play it on, it's on, fucking awesome. On the topic of the Xbox Live version, um, just a point to make, because I actually asked Josh about this, because I know a lot of people are worried. It does play absolutely perfectly well on an Xbox yeah, 360 yeah. D-pad on the new ones. Um, because yeah. yeah, it's not bad if, at if, all. If that was going to be a problem, I would have bought it on the PlayStation Network. Um, yeah, that's but, true. But mm. the D-pad's not a problem. It plays. I've obviously played the whole lot. Don't worry about that. It's not a problem. Well, I, well, I actually use the analog stick while playing, so yeah, yeah it's okay it, it actually. Perfectly fine. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. All right, that's uh, comprehensive. Now uh, let us go through our three-word reviews from Twitter. If we could take these uh, in the usual alphabetical order, starting with Andy, please. Kevo thirty-two A, and he says, "Beautiful walk animations." I nearly read that very wrong. <laughs> um, Child of Shade says, "Liked Metroid better." Three man stack. Have at you. White Spider Zero. Have at you. Xavier Fox Shandy says, decent, ultimately repetitive. I won't have that. Um, Alfred Fank says, upside down castle. C3FUK, addictive exploratory perfection. And Doggett says, where's the tutorial? Mr. Flabio says, pile of secrets. That's my favourite. Uh, Alex79UK says, timeless pixelated horror. Okay then, all it remains for the actual Symphony of the Night talk really is for us to summarise. I think you can kind of probably gather roughly what we think about Castlevania Symphony of the Night, but if we could pithily sum it up, starting with our guest Andy. Um, if you like, uh, you know, the Metroidvania games, this is this is one of the parts of the name. You know, you really have to play this. It's it. It used to be a bit of a holy grail. I've said that quite a lot. It used to be difficult to get, but any version, you know, the squashed PSM one, the slightly cut down Xbox Live Arcade version, any version, mm. more than stands up. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, the, the, it, it's it's an absolutely essential game. It helps. It, not only that, not only is it a great game in its own right, but it helps you appreciate a lot of other stuff as well. Like, um, it helps you appreciate things like like the. Arkham Asylum it helps you sort of it helps you appreciate the new Tomb Raider that like th- this sort of structure of um, putting you in the game you find your feet you find abilities that let you open up new places um, it's probably my favourite gameplay mechanic that and if we, you know if we're being honest at this point in time the two best examples of it are quite easily available mm. them, Super Metroid and Castlevania mm. Um so yeah, if you like that sort of thing, if you played a lot of them um, recent, you know, if you have played the Batman games or Tomb Raider, uh, and you're looking for something, you know, in in a, in a similar vein, yeah, all right, it's 2D and it's an old one, but this this is a great example of how to make a game that's it appears to be quite shallow because it just looks like a platform action game, but with real depth that you can go back to again and again and again. Beautifully said, Carl. Look, it's quite clear we all love it. It's £7.99, which is an absolute bargain. Last month it was half that price on Xbox Live. And it's a game that, you know, we've said 16 years down the line, still feels like it could be released tomorrow and would get critical acclaim. It would. I believe that. I believe you're right. Absolutely stunning to look at. 
in its in its original form it's got a level of care and dedication about not only the visuals but the sound that is just of the most exceptional quality and rare beyond belief and then what's more you you play it now and you realize how much is in that game and you're playing alone and you're looking online and you're finding all these secrets and new discoveries and there's so much out on the internet that will benefit your play of this game rather than hinder it or ruin it and it, the little discoveries you make as you go along and uh, you had Alex Alex's feedback throughout the show and his progression and I think you know a lot of people will feel that way playing it and uh, you know, the the more you push on, the more you're sort of rewarded and the more you admire what was done. And for anyone who, you know, has played Dark Souls or, or wants to or is perhaps put off by 3D combat, you know, give this a go because there are similarities. There are... That, that whole risk-reward is absolutely in Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And, and it's so readily accessible now. You don't have you don't have to search for a disc in a shop. You can go and buy it. Mm. You can buy it digitally and be playing it within ten minutes. And the, for a game this good, you should just try it because it is an absolute all-time stellar benchmark classic in that genre. And as as positive I am being about it. I still don't feel like I'm anywhere close to overselling it because it is just... I, I finished this game six weeks ago and I've been in the doldrums since and that, that includes in many other incredible classics uh, uh, and and modern classics and, and games that are getting exceptional reviews because they're not this game. It, it, it's the strangest thing that I finished this game and nothing else has sort of sated me like this did since and... 16 years down the line, just a, a masterpiece. Fantastic. Josh? Um, I do, to some degree, like, I, I'm envious of you guys being able to play this game in the, you know, in the moment where everyone was talking about it and um, discovering all this stuff. But the one benefit, I feel like, it, having getting to play it now and playing it from a modern perspective i think there is value in that kind of criticism like that kind of um viewpoint and you kind of get having not played it back in the day i'm not viewing this game with uh, rose tinted glasses i'm not i'm not viewing this game with nostalgia i'm viewing it as it is and as it is now it's still absolutely fantastic um it's the best 2D Metroid uh, Metroidvania game I've played. Super Metroid is very, very close, but there are little things like the art design and the sound design that just push this game ahead for me. Um, I mean, I've played loads of great games this year. I played Super Mario, uh, Super uh, Super Mario 3D Land. I've played uh, Fire Emblem Awakening. I've played loads of great games this year. This is the best game I've played this year. Mm. Um, it, it's just such a well-designed game. Uh, there are things like well, the voice acting's terrible, and I don't have like the you know nostalgia affection for it that maybe you guys have. But it, it's awful. But that doesn't matter because it is such a beautiful exercise in mechanics, uh, level design. Uh, and just art design and sound design, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, uh, I I can't really oversell this game. Um, I can't 
think of uh, I certainly can't think of a, a game that's aged better from the PlayStation. I think it might be the greatest PlayStation 1 game. That that should be make it worth playing in itself. But for me, it's just a real celebration of one of my favourite eras and some of my favourite types of video gaming. It's got all the, the things that I love, like beautifully uh, drawn pixel art and astoundingly composed music and fantastic level design and all the things anyone should love about video games, really. And yeah, yesterday... Uh, this is a, a contemporary reference, but I'm sure it will last because I'm sure the the game that I'm going to refer to will still be being talked about whenever anyone listens to this podcast. Uh, I was supposed to be playing The Last of Us yesterday uh, for work and also for pleasure. Um, had it sitting around for a few days. Um, obviously very excited to play it. All the reviews have come out. It's sitting on some ridiculous you know, Metacritic score. Um, but all I could do was keep on playing this 16-year-old game that I've played before um because it's so damn good um i wanted to play castlevania symphony of the night more than i wanted to play the latest hottest video game um even though i've played it before um that's how good it is and i'm going to finish with that word that both at least josh and carl did which is it's a masterpiece it absolutely is there you have it we'll be covering more masterpieces and some not so uh, over the next few issues, we've got 16 more to go before the end of Volume 2. Uh, be- with beautiful timing, Sony Computer Entertainment has elected to release Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception as a PlayStation Plus freebie, and that is the next issue of this podcast next week. After that, it will be Fez. Then it will be, talking of masterpieces, Aliens Colonial Marines. Dishonored Minecraft Tomb Raider, this year's model. El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron, as special guest Sean Bell. You may have heard oh. of him. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, DMC Devil May Cry, a deadly premonition or Red Seeds profile. Uh, we may be looking into getting another special guest for that one to be announced. Uh, then it's Starwing, Lilac Wars, or Star Fox and Star Fox 64, if you prefer. Excellent. Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, Chaos Theory, Fahrenheit, Indigo Prophecy, Super Meat Boy, L.A. Noir, Psychonauts, and issue 100 will be David Cage's Heavy Rain. We have merchandise available now. Kane and Rince monikered stuff for adults, children, men and women, uh, and some other gubbins as well on there. That is to be found at kaneandrince.spreadshirt.co.uk. Thank you for your attention. You can, of course, as ever, take a look at our Quick Rinse videos on the blog or on the YouTube channel. You can follow us on Twitter at Kane and Rinse or Facebook, Kane and Rinse, of course. You can support us by subscribing, reviewing and or rating us on iTunes. We have a Minecraft server. We have a Daisy Origins server and various other things going on. And a community is to be found at kaneandrince.com slash forum. Everything can be found at kaneandrince.com. Just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank... Josh, Carl, and for a special guest, Andy Hamilton, to promote himself. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I, I am from the internet via midnightresistance.co.uk. Um, you can go there if you want um, fat-bearded <laughs> opinions on video games. Um, mm. Well, uh, yeah, find us on Twitter at midnightresist, and if you haven't found me interminable, um, you can get me on at Andy Hero. That's A-N-D-I. Hero, because I spelt my name like an idiot as a child, and it's kind of stuck with me. I did wonder about that. 
I did wonder because the only other male Andy I've ever known is, I'm afraid, the the uh, Camp Children's TV presenter Andy Peters. It's not the worst company. No, no, he was he was he was a good presenter. Um, and Midnight Resistance is definitely, uh, I think, one of the best, uh, along with ours, <laughs> if I may say, one of the best names of a <laughs> of a gaming outlet around. Uh, and I'd like to invite you back early. Uh, we haven't scheduled these yet, but um, it seems only right and proper that we should invite you back for both Super Metroid and Lords of Shadow issues of the podcast. Yeah, they'll, 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 they'll be good. I can bring my um, PS2 3D Castlevania defense along with me. Okay, I've never played the PS2 <laughs> ones. Um, I played the N64 ones. I'll work <laughs> hard on my defense for those ones. <laughs> uh, did you play the Wii one? The fighting mm. game. Yeah, of course I did. Awesome. Okay. I don't really want to talk look about forward it. To get, <laughs> very much look forward to getting into the much maligned world of 3D Castlevanias at some point in the future. Maybe uh might be in the autumn or early next year, but uh, we'll see. And the Me- Metroid series is bound to happen at some point as well. So thanks very much for joining us. And uh, until next time, we'll leave you some of that wonderful Symphony of the Night music and with the words, let us go out this evening for pleasure. The night is still young. Oh.